Okay. everybody, it's Andrew Davis from toontalk.co.uk in Gateshead. How is everybody this evening? Well, it's been an indifferent weekend for our North East teams. Remember, you can call us live on the show 0191 538 9781 and you can also go to www.toontalk.co.uk to listen into the show tonight. So, it, obviously, as I just said, it's been an indifferent weekend for everybody. Um, obviously Newcastle winning, Sun losing and Millsborough getting bid as well. Um, it's not a great way for the weekend, obviously good for some, not good for others. But um, it's been a very, very interesting Premier League. Goals going in, penalties being saved, it's been great stuff. And then you obviously go to the Championship where Huddersfield got, got a bit of a, a shock yesterday, which was interesting, an ex-Newcastle United um, target in Forestieri getting that winner. Even I didn't see that one coming. But it's been very, very interesting. Remember, you can get catch us on toontalk.co.uk. Just link in and we'll listen to the show live into the studio. Well, I'm going to bring in my first guest this evening. It's Keith, a new ca- sorry, I was going to say a new United fan, but it's a Sunderland fan. Good evening, Keith. How are you? Good evening, Andrew. One week your sausage fingers, next week your tongue tied. Come on, Sunderland fan. <laughs> not, not many other one up to it, even on a radio show. Goodness me, <laughs> the eight games I've had so far. But yes, Sunderland fan, for better for worse. Yeah, well, we'll start with a bit of an interesting one. It's, it seems to have grabbed the news um, on the front and back, especially with Ched Evans uh, being found uh, innocent. Uh, the one thing I found about that one, which I didn't even know, it just shows you, doesn't it? But... Um, he was actually, uh, the, the lady in question didn't even uh, actually report as a rape. So, what's your interest on, on that? Obviously, we'll get to Sunderland in due course. Because, you know, in football, we know what's like in football, we get a, you always hear these cases, and there have been cases at Sunderland and in Newcastle, hasn't there? Uh, with regards to rape allegations, and they're being dropped. But it, it, it seems to be something that gets discussed a lot on Twitter, and uh, obviously the it seems to put off a lot of people coming forward, but it's a bit, it's a, I don't get it when it comes to um, men, um, you know, allegedly having sex and then letting their mate take over. But what's your, what's your take on it? <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting this conversation, Andrew, by the way. Uh, however, uh, each to that one, I'd say, um, it's not really football related. The fact that the guy was a football, that happens in all walks of life. Yep. And you've just said it happens in New it happened before Newcastle and Sunderland. Many a football club it's happened. All I would say he was a young lad with lots of money, mm. probably thought that he can do and 
get away with most things. Uh, it's well documented now. It's not really one for me. I've got to be honest, Andrew. It's it's been through the courts a couple of times now in previous appeals. Uh, he's managed to get some better lawyers and some slightly different evidence, mm. and a different panel have, have seen it differently. But hey, only him and the people who took part that night know exactly what happened. But look, I would think if I had such a good job, well, mm. to be honest, I'm not. Let's suppose it was legal what he done, because if it was illegal, yeah. I wouldn't be doing it. But if you've got yeah. such a good job, you just tread carefully. You don't get caught in these situations. You, you've got to be better than that if you think your, your career is so valuable and mm. so difficult to get such a break in life and get the money. But, hey, you know, they're young, they're daft, and the, the head gets turned by the money and they feel virtually invincible until they get caught. You know, whether it was reported or not, whether something happened, whether there was an incident at the hotel and it obviously caused an initial investigation, whatever triggered it, whether it be somebody jealous or whatever. Hey, does it really matter? The guy has got off with it. He's, he's got to live within his conscience. Mm. But ultimately, you know, he's done two and a half years. I feel extremely sorry for him if he is innocent and he's done two and a half years of prison time, which is not justified. That must be horrendous for him. Mm. However... He was in the wrong place doing certain wrong things at the wrong times. You know, why did they put themselves in that situation? It's just, it's beyond me, you know. We were talking about these bad things in football the other week. Mm. You know, Allardyce alleged, mm. you know, mm. uh, what, 400 grand deal mm. that obviously Spurry's England career within a matter of, like, you know, a couple of months. But they do it doing the, mm. no matter what it is, sex, drugs, rock and roll and money. If if the head's turned by it, but hey, look at the Chad Evans. That doesn't. He's not going to sign for us and save our season. So uh, for me, let's move on to me difficulties down the road there. Yeah, I think uh, I saw in the in the press that uh, Moyes is always the favourite to go. Um, I don't know, I don't know about you because you know, I'm a Newcastle fan, I suppose, but I'm quite a neutral when it comes to Sunderland. But when you um, the the one thing I expected at Sunderland. When, they, when when Sam would have been there, I actually would have first of all I would have expected at least a draw, and I would actually uh, I would expect it possibly a win with with big Sam being there. But um, it's a, it's when you look at when you look at that team to go eight games, it, it obviously it just mirrors Newcastle, doesn't it? Really, when you look at it. Well, so, they've been slaughtered with injuries. Look, I've I've never proclaimed to be a Moyes fan. Disappointed because obviously before the revelation, Sam's newest uh, indiscretions, Sam had the job for us. Didn't want to leave, never want to leave, as was the case for many, if not all, Sunderland fans. Obviously, some might have a different tune now, you know, if they jump on the other side of the fence. But ultimately, Alex did a great job for us, so delighted with him. Didn't want Moyes ever wanted to keep what we had, what wouldn't we? Obviously, that that wasn't possible, and he's and he's left. You know, Sam was gone, but ultimately we got Moyes, and I, I was relatively pleased. Not not with the Moyes um, appointment, but the fact that we did have somebody lined up of a reasonable stature to replace the mess of the transfer of Allardyce, effectively with a fee to England as manager. So that the swiftness had pleased us, but. I was never a Moyes fan, never have been, not just on here, if you read social media, my opinion of the man was never for us. He never seen the battle, and it's proven week in, week out. Oh, I mean, there's more and more fans coming around to endorsing what I'm seeing of their own volition, but they're only seeing what I'd said some weeks ago. 
he's just he hasn't got the stomach for a fight. He's depressing and honestly demotivational when he's talking on his post match uh, press conferences. Pre match, he doesn't fill you with much hope. His notes in the uh, match program are hardly inspiring and it's dreadful. Now, the difference is, I will go on his side for one thing the injuries have had on a not such a glamorous squad to start with has been horrific. So, you know, we're losing people right across the park, front, back, and middle. So it's horrendous in that respect, but you could still expect somebody again will have to go out of this who's one most recent bit of semi-success if you like about saving and getting with the build to win matches which Moyes hasn't yet achieved in the league uh, and Sam could get something out of you know a poor player or a poor defence you'd make them you'd make a player feel better about himself and get them working that's not the character uh, days now fella um, and it's, it's like the, the time when you've had uh, your sheets mm. painted for you know, several managers in the past Apologies, obviously that was a lifetime of painting sheets, but I'm not going to go as drastic as painting a sheet, but I would like while he's out, you know, you, you tried the same with McLaren. McLaren was just dead loss. It, it was obvious it was ourselves, and I feel the same for us. I mean, he's odds on with uh, Sky Bet, you know, mm-hmm. at uh, evens, and if not, you know, um, short our odds on that after the weekend, but uh, he's got to go for my uh, money's worth. I think it's um, the tricky thing is who who are you going to get? Like, well, sure I don't, I, I don't there, know. I don't know, but we've we'll padded this out because I told you before I came on tonight that we need mm. ten seconds. Moy's out. That was it. And I should just be <laughs> hanging up by now. But I said this a few weeks ago because it, it's not news to me. I wouldn't have chose Moy's. I didn't want him. It was earlier dawned on us all, or quite a few of us. So you know who I've said I, I would love Keno just to heal his rift with short. And just come back. I'd love to see him back because he's just such a character, and he's got a certain steel about him that will get players' ear working for him. The ones that don't work for him, he'll just sideline them and he'll replace them in January. So there's something about Keen that I absolutely love. Uh, another little fella I've mentioned in the background was did mention, he, he did mention them, didn't he? He did um, when he talked at the Republic of Ireland. Uh, conference oh, when they, when they tried to spoke, yeah he refers to them though, but uh, yeah. when they come back you know why you see a public behind the scenes some of these deals are done you know that's just yeah. me wishful thinking who would we get I don't know but I'll tell you what it is like I've seen yourselves play pretty poorly some seasons and I've said mm-hmm. hey you could get probably 11 lads in black and white shirts out the terraces to play for Newcastle when you'd have been mm-hmm. right in the mayor well, I would say the same for the management of Sunderland. I know we all think we're armchair managers and we're sitting in the terraces shouting down, oh, I would change this and I would do that. Well, to be honest, I think I could jump down a couple of rows from behind Moise and take over and have a bigger impact on the players than what Moise could. So who would we get? Well, who could do much worse would be the next question. You know, he's got two points from eight. We're worse off than we were with Dick Advocar, who didn't really want to be there. You know, he came back reluctantly under a bit of duress last season. At this stage, he'd still amassed one point more than Moyes, who actually does want to be there, and he's on a three-year contract of his own voluntary signing. You know, it's not like a, a backtrack on the uh, Advocar situation. So Moyes isn't doing it. He alleges he wants to do it. I mean, we have had great away support. You know, the mm-hmm. fans have been singing him. They haven't been on his back we tend to be that. We've had rubbish situations and we support them rather than jeer them. 
yeah, they'll get the boot at the end of 45 and 90 minutes of the overall performance, but during the 90 and that the build-up, the matches, they're getting supported. We're not on any one player's back or the manager, for that matter. You know, you, I am joking aside, but we don't hang sheets over the, the stadium mm-hmm. on a regular on the on a regular occurrence. We put up, we've got generally in, in suffer in silence. But for me, Moyes is just not the man for the job. Anybody can see it. But unfortunately, it's amazing. You know, if I was having such a, a mare of a time, mm-hmm. you would want your pride you'd to walk away. But you don't see it. Them Van Halls and that they just hang around. Yes, Ben Gore and Ericsson's the hanger until they're actually sacked because they know it's yet another massive payday. Mm-hmm. If it was me and I'm in the bank, I'd say, hey, it hasn't worked out. Get me out of here, you know, but these guys don't. They hang on and hang on and hang on. And I think part of it will be his pride there. Uh, obviously, think he can turn the corner, but for me, I don't think he can. Yeah, he, the, the, the strangest thing when you watch him play, like obviously he's brought in um, the ex Everton uh, in Ichibi. Now uh, uh, you can uh, the the problem about that one is he's he's obviously trying to build his fitness up to try to get him to play because you know it looks like the the obvious thing to me is that he wants to play in Ichibi with Defoe to give to give you more presence up front. But the thing is, you've got what more is the only way forward for Son is. To is to go three up front because I, you, you know, they they obviously that's the only way they're going to be dangerous, isn't it? Well, you, you know, Berean who is who is missing, he plays. You know, he can play left or right of the strike, and he's like a lot more productive and mobile in the way he plays his game. He's not a through the middle out and out centre forward, so you know he is missing. Uh, what more? I, I, he sometimes does get slagged because his end product's not always brilliant. But mm. you know, you can't fault the guy's effort. Having just a lot of pace isn't you cannot win games just on pace alone. But you know, it's not a niche be either, to be honest, Andrew. If you if you watch him or look at these stats, I wouldn't even get them out now, but if you Google this, mm-hmm. he's next to no goals in X number of appearances over a number of seasons. Put this way, it's not perfect. it's not one that instantly springs to mind other than for it, how bad it is. He's not an out-and-out goal scorer yet. He hasn't got a bag full of goals to his name that he's bringing along with us. He's not like a Darren Bent when we had mm-hmm. him, who was lethal. God, who is the man? He was a, he was at the end of window, duration signing as cover, and it's cover for injuries, but he's not going to get goals. Look, at when you, the only way we are going to make progress in this league now and Ultimately, if we were able to get a fifth season of survival, would be a more solid unit through defence and midfield to stop leaking goals for one. That's the only way to get draws initially and wins would come by a little bit of creativity that Barini could bring. Defoe just getting a couple of breaks. So he had a couple of chances at the weekend, even though they're few and far between. It just takes one of them to drop and bang, and it'll hit the net when it's uh, Defoe up front. But, you know, he could get injured and that's it. Well, out the league, then you might as well just shut up shop, see mm. it putting the lights on, you know. Mm. But it's it's a, it's a defence and everything that Allardyce made was difficult to beat. Not make well, world beat as will not be going out scoring sixes and sevens. We'll never be that sort of club at the moment. But we could defend a whole load better and defending from midfield and the back three, back four, back five, whatever way he plays it, you know, depending available. But uh, nah, it's just not happening and there's nothing positive on the horizon. The only thing is, like I say, 
everyday struggles as a day close at the door, but every every weekend it's another miserable defeat to get to that situation. West Ham away at the weekend, and then whoopee, a televised match at home against Arsenal. That's just what we need. You know, even if you're playing well, but um, we're not. So us on TV is never the most uh, attractive football anyway. But when we're really struggling, that'll not be much fun. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's I can't see them getting rid of Moyes. The one thing that surprised me about Moyes, I've probably said it a few times now, but um, when you look at him, like he always had a really good steel mentality at Everton. He really just, like you know, he re- he lived and breathed that club, and he he got you know he got them fighting every season. They didn't struggle that much, really, did they? Um, but he had a core. Of, of players that he could get in there. Now, I think it's too easy for people to say, you know, he's been scarred by uh, Man United by going to, I think it was Real Sociedad, I think. So, um, I think it's too easy to say that. But any, if, if somebody's going into a club, especially as one is, I would, you know, I would say, Son is quite a welcoming club. So. But then again, you hear Gus Poyer to turn around the weekends and there's something fundamentally wrong at Sunderland. And like, well, how you know if you if you're waiting for the guy they've always wanted, why is there a problem with the guy getting it right, bringing in the right players? Considering he had he had a truncated start of the season, it, it, the, well, it, there's something definitely buy, off, isn't there? Well, no, I don't buy because the same fellow. Even though he was he was fresh on the back of his moderate successes at, at Everton, he still was unable to get people over the line. And, and with the, the the pull of and the draw of Man United, he struggled to get players across the line there and sign them up. And obviously, hence having to pay a ridiculous amount for um, what's his face, the Dutch, the Belgian guy. Um, oh man, I've went blank for a moment from Everton. You know the big gangly. What the hell? I've lost his name for the moment. Anyway, who did he get through the door? Ultimately, nobody mm. except for one ex-player. You know, he did struggle mm. there, and he's God. Pino, you mean? Sorry, Pino was it? Pino. No, From no, Everton? man. No, I'm, I meant to Man United. Oh, uh, to Man United. Okay. The big tall fella, man. God, it'll come with Fellini. Yeah, Marwan Fellini. That's a fella. Yeah. Well done. Lost <laughs> for a name for a second. Uh, must be catching what you've got. But realistically. <laughs> He didn't get anybody through the door of any note at Man U. And that, that's shocking because you'd think the badge of Man U alone would attract a lot of names. Mm. The salaries that they must pay, the attraction of winning, of the frame to win stuff would have been massive. He didn't do well there. Maybe that was a, a sign of what he's... You know, he had more workman-like players at Everton. He, he didn't have, mm. you know, your, your A-listers, if you like, and he made a good team, which I think if he'd come to us straight from Everton, Yes, mm-hmm. different thing altogether. But we're talking about a team that struggled four consecutive seasons and uh, four years in a row with a, a squad that's not big and strong. And he and he, he did come in part with through a, a window, but I've argued that he should have been more switched on. He would have been looking for work, you know, during the summer. Mm-hmm. So he, he, sh- he should have known some of these players who he just personally liked anyway, no matter which club he landed up signing for. Uh, so I, I don't buy that he... You know, he, he, it was truncated, as you would it. I think he still had a chance to do something. And if he was a shrewd negotiator, he would have pulled a few people in, you know, but mm-hmm. he didn't. And to be honest, you would expect the reverse of the case as well. It's not Moyes doing his work. 
You remember there's football agents all over the country mm. wanting their man to get a, a big money move and they click their fee, sign on fees for the players, etc. So he would have been been getting offered players even if he didn't know who to go seeking. A lot mm. of them would have been coming to his door, banging on the door thinking, right, Moy's new club, got to make an impression. Mm. I bet we can get a player on a good uh, fee there. And he would have players getting get presented him that, that he, he didn't take. So you've got to think, what's he not doing deals for? We're all seeing, look, he's not the man for me. No point getting stressed on a Monday night after I know the feet worrying about how long Moyes is going to get. He's not been my man. I've said it week after week. And the players, you know, they just A, have been battered with injuries and confidence and team spirit is totally gone. So if you're not the most skillful players, you've got to look for some other assets and the team spirit has just gone uh, at the moment. Morale, if you're getting defeated that often, it's it's got to have something to turn you around and, it, and it's coming from the leadership. So that's me. It's a 10 minutes rather than 10 seconds over and out on this occasion. 20 uh, minutes, you, actually. Well done. <laughs> well, you guys up here are going well, but it is a different level. And yeah. maybe uh, maybe a man Rafa has found his level after all. I don't know. That's a bit of a controversy for the lads who follow on the call. But uh, no, he's doing well. You know, I mean, both clubs shouldn't be where they are. Newcastle should never have went down, and we shouldn't be plummeting down the way we are. But that's northeast football. So another Monday night. Sad for me. Happy for you guys. I'll let you crack on. All right. Thanks, Keith. Uh, been a pleasure. Thanks so much, mate. Bye. Take care now. Bye bye. Bye. Always great. Always great to have. Keith on the show telling us all about all about Sunderland and how depressed he is with what's going on. Well, you know that that is always going to be the case, isn't it? I think uh, that the issues with Newcastle, Sunderland, and Middlesbrough, who've just come into the equation, when you are on a different level, I agree with Keith there. Newcastle are on a different level to football, but you know we're getting fifty-two thousand every week, and uh, that you, you can't nobody can snipe at that even if the level is slightly down. And that, br- that brings me to my next call of this evening is Steve Hasty from Newcastle United Fans Forum. Good evening, Steve. How are you? Evening, Andrew. That call really cheered me up. That, that was a great call, wasn't it? Damn me. God. Poor lad. I don't usually have sympathy for someone, fans. I have sympathy for that lad there. Damn me. Killing him, Poor kid. Poor kid. Hanties are out. Well, the, the interesting thing is, he says they're not like a, a bedsheets team, so they, they don't go out there and. Um, That's because there's know. none of them there to hold them up. They're not turning up. Sunderland's biggest problem is when when Sunderland are, are struggling, they just don't bother turning up. Yeah. Never mind protesting, they just don't turn up at all. That's mm. there. That's one of their biggest problems. Mm. And Sunderland have been in this position for five or six seasons now, haven't they, Andrew? Mm, yeah. And let's face it, they, they, they don't get. You know, yeah, they're like all support. They get behind the team when the team are doing well. But as soon as it goes bad, they don't turn on each other. They don't turn on the team. Mm. They just don't bother turning up. There's an apathy among Sunderland fans when it gets to that point. And, uh, you know, that, the other point we need to remind them about, that, that those that haven't twigged on, that for the last, what, three seasons, it's merely been the points that have took off us that have kept them up. And uh, they're struggling this season... The, the broad, I mean, I'll give them. A, I'll give them a little bit. Not not the fans, but I'll give the club a little bit of, of leeway here because they, they they got stymied, didn't they, in the close mm. season with the with the uh, the England manager situation with, and you know they, they were, I think 
maybe the, the powers that be should have been a little bit more prepared for the fact that England were going to replace the manager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody knew that, 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 you know, the way that England operate, they were going to come along for, for him as manager. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and, but Sunderland obviously weren't prepared for that. They were too busy in the boardroom sorting out who their new chief executives are and their new finance people and all this type of thing. And they have a, they have a stairway chairman or uh, owner. Um, you know, they'd already had, had problems at that level in, in, in boardroom. They were just getting their act together and, and they took their eye off the ball. And Bain, who's in charge, I think, that they got from Glasgow Rangers, he, he was going to be the, the saviour of them. Um, they've ended up getting noise. They got him. It took them long enough to replace uh, Allardyce. Um, but by the time they did, I think Moyes had a cack hand. Moyes, Moyes was left. There was. I, don't, I, I personally don't think there's any money for him to spend. And I know that they're going on saying, oh, they've only got a Nichibi and that's all they got in. They'd have probably picked the Nichibi up. They got him on a free. It was at the end of the of the campaign, um, the transfer window, and they probably probably ended up given him virtually nothing to come and he's probably not on a big wage. He, he was just dead keen to come and, and, and earn some money because he was a free agent. And there was nobody else lined up on behalf of the club because if there were then there would have, there would have, players would have already been in. So it was mad panic at Sunderland in the last week of the transfer deadline. Um, but they got, it took them long enough to get Moyes in and I think Moyes has got a cack hand. And it shows you how important it is that you have all your dollars in place, right from the very top of the club, right the way through the management, and then you get the fans on board. And it, what Newcastle did, right in the close season, obviously we went down, but they had that 10-day gap, and then straight away we had, we had the manager in, the manager was able to work with the club, he identified his targets, the targets that came in, there's players that are still there that we didn't think would be there, but yeah, you know what, he's managing that situation as well, He's, he's using the rotation policy. It's everybody says it's the hardest league in the world to get out of. We've got 46 games to go. The confidence is there among the players. He's turned the he's turned the club around. He's turned the the supporters around. He's turned the city around, and everybody in that ground's enjoying the football at the moment. And I think it will carry on enjoying it all the way through the season. Success breeds success, and Rafa as a winner. You know, and and Sunderland have have got to get it into their head that it's it's the behind the scenes situation at Sunderland that's that's holding them back and, and not getting them where they are. Plus, the mentality and the culture that they have among the among the current squad of players that have been there for far too long, who are picking up cushy numbers, cushy cushy pay, week in week out, year in year out. The same ones are still there carrying injuries that they've been carrying for God knows how long. And will continue to do so, and probably out drinking three and four times a week, you know, gambling in nightclubs in Newcastle. It's a shame, isn't it? What a pity. Anyway, let's get on to us. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say before Neil's finally arrived. So Neil, obviously everybody's depressed after listening to, to Gremlin. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, oh, yeah, did you have Keith on first? Oh, yes, Lordy. we did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, me. The chimes, DMA. Um, but you know, do you know what? It, 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 as Steve quite rightly says, it's been, been in the post a long time. Anybody who's read the Secret Footballer blog um, <laughs> over the last few years, he's been seeing it for for years. That there was, you know, you, you you go back to the the players hounded the Canyo out, and then the hounded Poye out. You know, um, and 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 it. it, it 
I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to pick my words very carefully because I know he said something I probably shouldn't say given certain individual players and certain court cases. Um, say it. But, you, you, you know, Poyer was... Sorry, um, De Canio was rammed out because of, and he was accused of coming out with bizarre things. And yeah, he probably did. Some of his concepts of not having ice in coke and banning mayo and ketchup from the... The training ground is one thing, but what what he's cottoned onto there is something you hear me banging on about week in week out. Lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle. Look at young Andy Carroll, seen out drinking again at the weekend while his team was playing, and he's supposed to be injured and recovering from injury. Yet he's not doing the right lifestyle things. Mm-hmm. You've got players who pick up injuries and repeatedly pick up injuries, and we've had plenty of them at our club. But there's another young man in bother at the minute, Rolando Warrens, yeah, who has injury after injury, injury now out. Involved in a nightclub brawl when he's recovering from injury. I'm yeah. sorry, lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle. Let's go back to Kieran Dyer and his multiple hamstring injuries. Lifestyle, lifestyle. Crash a Ferrari into the, t- into the swing bridge. You know, th- this. these are the kind of things that come up time and time and time again. And that's the culture that De Canio was trying to break at Sunderland. Poyer's, Poyer's interview at the weekend. I don't know if you read that. There was an interview with Poyer at the I weekend. I did, yeah. It up, which yeah. was very candid. Very straightforward, and and my understanding of the situation with him is he was again hounded out by the same group of players that hounded De Canio out, and there's a culture there, and the secret football has been banging on about it for years, and Steve's quite right. If it wasn't for the points that they'd had off us, they'd have gone down two, three years ago. Mm. You know, we've Steve. only got we've only got ourselves to blame here, really. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, you know that's that's their problem. I know, I know. We try and talk about about um, cover the entire North Australian. We try and do it. I know all black and white as talking about the red and whites. But at the end of the day, you know, we've got to take the George Culkin high ground here. And George mm-hmm. writes very passionately about every club that he writes about. Um, what we'd love to see is Newcastle United first, Sunderland second. In the Premier League, that would be an, an amazing achievement for the North East. Now, vibrant would the North East be in that situation? Um, but that isn't the situation. And the reality is, 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 is we somehow, somewhere along the lines, managed to pick Rafa up and he's changed the entire culture within the club top to bottom. And they need something very similar. And they're not going to get that with David Moyes. And I don't know if David Moyes is going to get much of a chance. I guess the only thing is, is they cannot see where they're going to play us on the calendar. So they're going to be confused as to when to sack him. <laughs> But um, it, you know, it, it, it's a thing is like Steve. When you obviously we, we've got somebody really special in our club, and he's he's everything he's doing is positive. It's like you even hear about the next transfer window coming up, and you know every time you keep on hearing about Sunderland, you think, well, you know they go down pretty regularly when it comes to being relegated, and you know they they can't really keep on going down to be to sort out the problems that. Uh, Neil's just mentioned so you know like everybody thought Newcastle would be on their arse considering they've gone down and I think we would have been if Rafa hadn't hadn't stayed but you know with Rolanda Aaron's again you know not booking the trend is he and, he, and he's, he's come back from injury like like Neil said it, there, is, there is a culture in football and obviously I linked it to, to Chad Evans before but um, with with, um, with uh, Keith but it, you know you you would think players should want to hang on for dear life um, to to play to get the money at the end of it. It's very, it, it, it you know, it, we keep on hearing about role models. Well, we're not going to get access to these people 
the more and more the money that's going on or entrapment comes up when it, when it comes to catch them out in a, in a live. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was reading an article that said that Liverpool are now booking the trend, aren't they, with their young players and they're going to they're gonna, um, start basically holding back money that the player, the contracts are on and, and putting money into trust funds that they can get when they're 30-year-old. So anything that the lad's getting in his first professional career over 40 grand a year, uh, he earns no more than that, and then the rest of the money goes into trust funds, and, and they, they're starting to put schemes together for them and this type of thing. Because those, the chances are that a lot of those lads... You know, you, you often find after the you know the first contract, the second contract doesn't appear anymore. I mean, you look at some of the youngsters that we've had in the past, where you know they, they, they basically disappear down the leagues, and before they know it, their, their careers are over. And there's nobody, there's no the FA doesn't step in, the Premier League doesn't step in, the agents certainly don't because the agents just want their 20 or 30 percent. So somebody somewhere needs to look after those young players. Mm. And I know some people go, no, they're entitled to it. It's their money. They can spend it on what they like. But it, it, this, this is, it's, it's bigger than that for them, you know. It, these, these are kids that, you know, they've left school and they've, they've, they've been on a pedestal for so long and they think they can get away with all sorts and, and they, need to be, they need to be tied back in and they need to be held back and they need to, to understand that Yes, the career is going to be short, and for every superstar, Alan Shearer that you have, and every Les Ferdinand, and every David Ginola, you, you've got a Michael Chopra, you know, <laughs> who's who's going to waste his money. You know, look at Paul Gascoigne. Paul's probably got a, still got a bit of money left stashed away somewhere, but nobody is giving Paul Gascoigne money, or is, or is handing over money to Paul Gascoigne now for even turning up for events because you know he's not going to turn up. Yeah. Or there's a 90% chance and his career's gone and he, he suffers from an illness and nobody looked after him because he was given everything he ever wanted at every possible club, you know, at every opportunity and, and he, had a, he had a problem and nobody was willing to step in and look after him. There's certain footballers out there that have tried and there's certain, he's got certain friends out there like Gary Mabbitt who plug away, you know, diligently trying to, you know, mm. always picking him up off the floor and helping him. But, this, this will carry on it. and on and on as long as football, young footballers are given ridiculous no. amounts of money. I was in the nightclub when that, when that incident was they on. Did. I missed it by about 15 minutes, oh, believe it or not. I left it about quarter to three. And I know you wouldn't believe me out, out nightclub, first time I've been nightclub in 20 years, and then still missed the action. You know, can you believe it? What a, you can tell I'm not a reporter or anything like that, otherwise I would have had it all there on my mm. camera and I'd have made an absolute fortune with the news of the world. Or, well, not news of the world anymore, it's the sun. But when you see lads out in a, in a nightclub in that area um, drinking vodka, necking vodka out of five-litre bottles and, and hoying shots down their neck in groups of ten, you wonder why that why at, at three o'clock in the morning they get into big fights, you know, and right. and, and and it's it's all over the club. People like that, you know. I've, no, I've never witnessed. Yeah. I know I've been in the club for years. I've never witnessed that type of, of attitude, you know. I mean, we always drank pints and we, yeah. you know, when we go out and then you might have a, you know, you all buy around and this type of thing, but not someone who's who's sitting there with all the clash. My my mate described when we went in. He said, you know what? He goes, I'm sitting here. They've given me a great big thing of vodka, and we've got all these shots. He goes, I feel like I'm part of like some sort of Russian mafia. 
because and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and if, I, if I stretch out on the set and put my arms out I could be Scarface you know and he goes he says that's what, it, that's what it's like you know? says, because people yeah, are just coming over here in that VIP area and just oh, yeah, have another have another it's weird mate, it's, I've never mate, experienced anything like it in my life you know yeah. mate you've, you've obviously never been in the Russian karaoke bar in Madinat Jumeirah out here I tell you that's an experience six, six months time I will be that's, that's an absolute experience <laughs> I can tell you that mate um <laughs> No, Steve's, Steve's absolutely spot on. No, you know, Andrew, um, mm. he and I have discussed this in private before yeah. years ago, uh, and I've written about it on a number of occasions, uh, right. you know, on popular side and, and others. There's, there's no mentoring happens with young players, and players go off the rails left, right, and centre because nobody's there to take, put an arm around them and sort of try and guide them and nudge them in the right direction that's why Nile Rangers happened yeah. got to remember Nile Rangers probably cost us pretty much a generation of young footballers because they all acted like Billy Big Bollocks and thought they could follow follow Nile down the street and some of them will come back from it young Tavernier who's carving yeah. a career out for himself up in Scotland which I'm pleased about because he was a good young player but he was another one that got dragged sideways by Ranger and his antics Young Shane Ferguson again, who yeah. stalled, stalled badly, and it, it, there's no coincidence that this all happened while Ranger was around doing what he was doing in the club, um, and, and the, the, it's very, very difficult to take young men who come into this system with, with not always with the best of advantages educationally, shall we say. <coughs> You know, there's not many people can do what Steve Harper did as a professional footballer and become a, an ambassador for the Open University. There's not many with that ability. Um, and that's no criticism of them. It's just the way it is. You know, and, 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 and so um, the need guidance and the need mentoring, who's, who's actually looking after these guys and who's nudging them in the right direction? And that's something I get the distinct impre impression that Rafa wants to do throughout the club as well and part of his aim for the the project of the um the academy would i would imagine would also be to install certain things into young players that doesn't say do you know what there's nothing wrong with going for a pint on a wednesday night just don't get involved in a fight in a nightclub with your auntie you know, it, <laughs> it's it, 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 it's frankly outrageous in many respects. It's not. It, it, it's it, it it really really isn't clever. And, and and for every every lad that makes it, there are there are hundreds who don't and end up on a football scrap heap. And nowadays, there's money there, but there's money very easily lost, and it disappears in fritters. And as Steve says, some of these guys need trust funds. Some of these guys need told how to. You know, I, I go through team lads I played with, some of whom who had careers at at a much lower level than the Premier League. Who, you know, one lad who springs to mind who I won't name, who who had a, a, a something like ten years at Port Vale. But what he did with his money was very clever, and he invested in property. And he, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 he he was able to listen to the voices around him that were saying, do you know what, do you want to do something with this? Yeah. You want to want to invest in your future and look after yourself and look after your family. But again, for every one of them, there's another 20 who've blown it up their nose or yeah. whatever, you know, and, and, and it's not right. And it, and these guys, it's not fair on these guys to throw them into that arena because really they, they're just walking into bear traps left, right and centre and people who take advantage of the situation and take the money off them gladly. And, and, and that's not right either because it's their bloody money. It's their talent, you know, and, and, and 
bringing those guys through and allowing them to flourish and express themselves on a football pitch, whilst also allowing them to make advantages financially. Um, and we're not saying let's all drive it through a big messy tax loophole either. Mm-hmm. Let's let's let them do sensible things with their money. They're, they're, these guys are allowed to make the money that they make because it's there to be had. And I don't begrudge them a single penny of it. I really don't. The thing is, I don't understand about what happened um, with Nile. With, sorry, with um, with Rolando Aaron's. I believe that he's anti. Who's probably? Yeah. I'm probably old, I'm probably older than, than his auntie. Mm-hmm. But um, I still were grinding up on there. <laughs> On the dance floor, wasn't he me. took exception to him. <laughs> it wasn't me, right? Before you say anything, <laughs> you were on the scene. You were on the scene. You're guilty. <clears throat> but like, um, it was just, you know, like if I, the thing is, yeah, you've had a couple of drinks and you, you watch somebody you love like be having a good time. Now, if if it got the stage where it was really getting out of order, then. She's a grown woman. I'm sure she would have... You know, they've got their own private table. I'm sure they could have, they could have said, how are you, lads? How are you, lads? But the thing is, it, it es- how it escalated, it's obvious, because, you know, he, he had too much to drink and he, he started being big big boy. But it's just, you know, he shouldn't be out that time. There should be a... You know, I'm not going to say a Newcastle United liaison because you can't look after kids 24-7. But, you know, there's got to be somewhere along the line he's got to think, you know, I've got a five-year contract... I want to get the next one. You know, you look at you look at the players who've done Newcastle United really proud over the years, uh, the way that they conduct themselves, and you know, there has to. You, I would hope, I would presume anyway, that would be absolutely hammered by Rafa. You would think he'd be absolutely hammered, especially. I don't think it'll make the press either. Uh, what do you think, Steve? Because I, I just think he he must have got hammered for that because you can't go out and do that and cause. You know, obviously on the front pa- back, front and back page of the paper because of that incident. Ah, uh, exactly. I mean, there, there, there's a, you know, there's a police investigation. There was somebody that was injured. There was nine people arrested. You know, the staff were held in the in the club until six o'clock in the morning. There was there was bottles flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> it was described to me by a witness that was there um, that it was the worst thing he'd ever seen, and it was like the Wild West. Um, he, he said, "You know, you, you, he's, he's obviously never to, been in the Amsterdam Walls End, mate." Uh, well, uh, yeah. no, right. <laughs> although I, I wouldn't be surprised if this lad had been in the Amsterdam as well. I tell you, um, no. but no, no, it was it was crazy. But getting back to getting back to these, you know, I, what we fail to remember is that if you go down to the academy and you you speak to the guys that run the academy and you listen to what they're saying, all the good work that they do with the youngsters, but it's talk. You know, it's all words. You know, they bring people in, they talk to them, and they say, you know, you, you need to be doing this, you need to do that. But if the mentality of the person, when they walk out the door, is stuff that I'm going to do what I want to do with my money, mm. you know, uh, I, I, it, you know, it'll not happen because it's always the old. It'll not happen to me, isn't it? You know, mm. no, no, I'm, I'll not get caught. I can do what I like. I can take me drink. I can take the vodka. I can, I can. I'm all right. I can get up at five. It's half past seven in the morning. If I don't, even if I don't go to bed at half past three, I'll still make it a training and all this. Um, you know, because that's the, that's you know that, that's the way some of them think. And it's it's until one of them gets caught and one of them gets disciplined and one of them gets hired out of the club that they that before the penny drops with the rest of them, they go, hang on, we've got rid of him. Dear me, if they, if they can do that to him, they can easily do it to me. And it's the discipline, isn't it? And that, that's the discipline that will come from Rafa. You know, the fact that Aaron's might not be seen again for six months. 
because Ra- because other players around have taken the place and Rafa. Well, you know, and that's when you'll know the yeah, man and management of yeah. Rafa. You'll understand what Rafa's doing. He might bring the kid in for one game and then he might be gone again. But the kids got to understand that it's you know it, this has happened for a reason, and I'm sure that the, the powers that be will just be biding their time. Rafa's vastly experienced. You look at the players that he's looked after mm-hmm. um, over the years. Look at the look at the players that he had at Madrid. Look at the, the squad that he had at Liverpool. You know, Rafa doesn't suffer fools either. He uh, he, he he demands respect mm-hmm. uh, quite rightly. You know, as all managers should, the manager should should demand respect from his squad and from his players, and uh, his decisions final. He's the one who picks the eleven to go on the pitch, and he's the one who who makes the decisions on who's coming on. I watched on Saturday. He had Mitrovic warming up for about mm. twenty five minutes, and then uh, everybody where I was sitting when it got to the eighty first minute went, "Oh look, he's going to bring Mitrovic on," and he didn't. <laughs> he brought somebody else on, <laughs> you know, and 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 that was the third substitution. And I bet you Mitrovic was sitting there going, ah, it'll be me, it'll be me, I, 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 and I'm warm, I'm fine now. Mm. But it wasn't. Um, Daryl Murphy, we've got Daryl Murphy, yeah. who's been, been out injured for a few weeks. He, he came into the executive area before the match and was talking. And uh, it was interesting, he said, you know, I, I, the, his exact words were to, the, to, the, uh, to Justin Lockwood when he asked him how, how he was. And he went, I'm in training tomorrow. And, I, and everybody went, along my table went, it's Sunday. Anyway, well, I'll be in training tomorrow, and then um, I'm hoping that um, obviously I'll not be involved for, for Tuesday night, but uh, um, I think I'll be involved for Saturday. And we all looked and went, Rafa's given him the nod. He's going to be in against his old club, isn't yes, he? Yes, yes. Yeah. And then we're going, I'm going to get straight down the bookies and load that on before anybody else does. <laughs> before the odds drop, you know. But, but this lad, he hasn't, played, he hasn't played for the town yet, you know, and you can tell mm. he's enthused and he was full of it. And he, not only that, but he was able to talk about Newcastle and he was able to talk about how the how the team were doing and how everybody's bought into it, mm. he says. And, you know, the lads that, like myself, who aren't getting the game yet, we're, we're, we're bought into Rafa, hook, line and sinker, we're, we're 100% behind everything. And then there's one target and one target only mm. for this football club, and that's promotion and getting back into the Premier League. And he goes, and everything that we're doing is geared up to that, you know. And that was great. Yeah, and there's a lad. He's been here, what? Uh, yeah. Never been seen in the Irish centre yet. And he's Irish. I cannot believe it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's had a game. He's not sure he's had a case. And those Kieran Clark either. So don't, don't, don't think I'm there. Uh, I'm just picking on one Irishman. It's neither I'm, of them. Made the bills not on Daryl watch, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've got, got to put you on the door on check, make sure that he gives us a text <laughs> and you have to be I'm coming in, you know. I was going to say, actually, we're getting getting back to the to Newcastle, when it comes to... Uh, I, I saw a comment by um, Joe Allen, and I want to get both your takes on it. I'll, get, I'll start with uh, Neil. Um, he reckons that... Uh, Joe uh, Shelby is mm. very, very much like Paul Gascoigne. I have to say, when I heard that one, and they, and they dropped the nearest vase, I had uh, because it's. But anyway, tell me what you think on that. Maybe it's the time Paul Gascoigne put a swimming cap on and started acting the goat somewhere. No, don't see it. I really don't see it. You can, you can't compare Shelby to Gascoigne because Shelby doesn't. Shelby doesn't have that little burst, that little mm. five-yard. Ability to go past people. Yes, he's he's long range passing. Some of the things he did, he did that I've seen now I've seen full highlights of the game. Some of the things he was doing against Brentford were, were 
were, were frankly outrageous in terms of long range passing. Talk about sticking it on a sticking it on a five pence. It really, really was. You know, the, 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 that takes some doing. Um, if you're going to compare it to anything, I would say more like Paul Scholes when he used to sit deep and ping the ball here, there, and everywhere. If you're going to want to start comparing, but you, you can't see gas going like because mm. I, I cannot see John Joe doing the the little burst and run into the box. Really, he'd probably need a burst of a Ventolin inhaler if he did that. <laughs> um, give, give Joe his shoes. I think what what Joe was actually trying to tell. So I was with Joe on Saturday. We're talking about it. Right. And uh, what what Joe was saying was that when you when you've got a player who can look around the pitch and, and there's nobody near him, he literally there was they just backed off. They gave him the freedom of the pitch. Joe was on about when you saw Paul. Paul always seemed as though he had the freedom of the pitch because he was so good. Even when he was closely marked, he could he could drop a shoulder. He could he would make somebody. Then he would wait and he'd come back and do it again. And then he would have the freedom to do whatever he wanted. Because usually they're on the backside by that point, and what Joe was getting on about was the fact that he had so much time in that game and so much space mm. to move around and to ping the ball wherever he wanted. It was he was in total control the entire game, mm. but that was because they they put in a performance that that handed the result to us on a plate. They, they, mm. Their midfield just never got close to any of our midfield. The strikers didn't press on to our, on to our defenders. But more importantly, the midfield just sat, didn't move, and it allowed Shelby that time and space. And uh, we, we commented after the first 20 minutes and said, he's, he's going to barely break a sweat this game because they're not even getting near him. When he did, he had to go looking for them to actually play a game of football against them, you know, to, to get into that combat of sort of phase of the game. He had to go looking for it to be combative rather than... Because when the ball came, he could just, you know, he was just pinging it left, right and centre. Um, and it, he, he was so confident by that point that he was getting... They were playing... You know, somebody would play the ball to him and he was just hitting it first time. No, not even looking up at times. It was just so casual left and right. Mm. Ping, ping. And just... And, and he did it with ease. And I think... Mean, Joe was getting at how easy Paul would make a game look. John Joe right. Shelby made the game look easy on Saturday. No question right. about that. Um, but other players in that team on, on Saturday, you know, needed to take some praise because it was a, it was a team performance. So those Shelby stands out and, and he always will stand out whether he's having a good game or a bad game purely by his physical presence and, and, his, and his looks and the shaved head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the amusing part of the game for me was when the substitute came on, and the crowd at the at the Gallagher end started shouting, "You're just a uh, John Joe Shelby!" As the kid comes on with a bald head, at which point Shelby pointed to the to the Gallagher end, got a hold of the lad by the arm, pointed the Gallagher end, and told him what they were singing about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that, to me, that was Gascoigne-esque. That's the sort of thing that Aye. that Joe would have picked up on as well. You know, the fact that he could. You could hear them saying, you know, you're just an SH1T John Joe Shelby. And he's taking the kid up to them and pointing them out mm-hmm. and saying, are you listening what they're saying about you? And you've only been on 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so think, uh, what do you think about the the fact that uh, with another game coming up, um, do you think he'll change it, do you think he'll change it up again? Because it's going to be 6,000 Newcastle fans will. going tomorrow. Oh, he definitely will, yeah. You're right. Neil, you're right, he will. I mean, Richie will be back in. 
because mm-hmm. Richie was out with a sickness bug. Um, I think that I think that's a cert. I wouldn't be surprised if he went for the more physical presence up front and mm-hmm. Ritter had yeah, started. So. Although Gale yeah. is on fire in terms mm-hmm. of goals. If there's one player's place that probably is um, in jeopardy in terms of, of, of not getting a game, I think it could be Perez. And I wouldn't be surprised if Hayden came back and he either played he played one up front with Hayden coming in for him. Um, Gufran struggled a bit on Saturday, but Gufran plays a key role in, in Rafa's team at the moment. He keeps it nice and tight. Um, and he, and he supports... He's impeccable uh, in the team as well. Sorry? I think his record's impeccable if you start oh, and you win. I think that's the that's that, right. that seems to be the start, isn't it? And you know what, Neil? Other players players as you know, in football teams, when you have a start like that, the players know that. Mm-hmm. And the players mm-hmm. will go, Oh no, oh, we'll, we'll be alright today because Gufran's playing, you know, Johan's playing, we'll we'll not lose today and it's like sort of becomes a, a mental thing and it's a bit of you know uh, it's another boost, <laughs> and, 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 and sometimes managers do that. They go, "Well, I'm just going to keep that going. I'm going to keep that thought process in their heads, you know." But the lad's playing well. The lad's never let me down. He's 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 uh, he's work rate is is fantastic. He's a changed player. Rafa's found the footballer in him again. The footballer that we saw when he first came, when he scored six goals on the bounce, you know, not long after arriving, um, and that's great. I thought the goalkeeper. Although he still does now have a tendency to to kick the ball, and there were times on Saturday when he's kicking the ball and it's literally just pinging it back because Gale's on his own, mm. and it's just you mm. know he's, he's in a he's not the not the physical you know he's he's getting battered by by uh, central defenders at the moment, and uh, it's interesting that a lot of people picking up on that in the match and. It's something that Guardiola has been saying that one of the reasons why he got rid of Joe Hart was because Joe cannot play the ball at his feet and he wants goalkeepers to play like that. And then I'm reading about other coaches mm. and other teams in Europe who are saying, you know what, that's what I want. Uh, uh, Buffon was another one over in Italy who has always played the ball with the feet and, con- and is part of that general movement. And I watched... In the England game, I don't know whether anyone knows, in the England game, when Joe Hart, Joe was actually doing that. It was the first time I'd seen him playing the ball with his feet and, and starting off um, attacks by basically when the ball's played back to him, hitting it out with his feet to the fullback and keeping the momentum going, you know. Mm. Um, and maybe it's the pennies dropping with him because he's, he is a good goalkeeper. But I think Carl Darlow, you know, there is a tendency that he does kick the ball out a little bit too much uh, and it does just ping its way back when we haven't got... And Mitrovic up front, you know. Yeah, I thought I, I, I think when it comes, it was an interesting thing about Mitrovic, wasn't it? He scored two goals during the week, and he, he probably would have thought, well, you know, I'll come back. I played. I think he played two games in, in succession. I think when he was away. Yeah. But um, <coughs> d- d- he looks like he's he's he looks quite fit. I think his pace. He'll, he'll obviously play for Newcastle, but I would like to see I would like to see Murphy um, play. Um, obviously, more as as the season goes on, uh, just because the fact that you know you've got a player that has got so much hunger, like you said when you met him, to 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 make an impact, and he gets he seems to get into the right spots that when he has played the one game, um, I, that's the thing, isn't it? And that, what was your thoughts on Perez? Because probably the one day I've actually haven't heard lots normally get lots of chat on Perez being useless. But he, he didn't seem to get much stick, I thought, on Saturday at all. So, it, it, does, does he look like he's coming along? Well, I, he, I thought he had a, I thought he had a poor game. 
um, he's quite disappointing, but you, the reason you didn't hear of any stick for him was because we were winning three and out after 49 minutes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody was just buoyed with the fact that, you know, that, that, you know that, that's another win. I mean, the, the, the nature of the goals coming so early doors, you know, uh, just settled everybody down and, and you know, that completely deflated them. And uh, he, he, he did okay. But I think, if, as I said earlier, he's probably one of the players whose who's place, I would say, for, for, when, for Tuesday night is probably in jeopardy. Um, I think Mitrovic and one or two of the others, Hayden as well, I think that they were with the, uh, on international duty and there was one or two reports lingering around the club that a couple of them didn't quite make it back in time. They got delayed travelling back uh, for various reasons. Um, and I think the way that the international fixtures go now... The starting on the on the Friday or Thursday or the Friday night the previous week and they roll the way through and you've got some some teams that are international weekends finished on the Sunday and you've got others still playing on the Tuesday night you know mm-hmm. so players are coming back at different times and that's that gives managers different opportunities uh, with those players and deciding whether or not well hang on I had an extra day's rest from him I'm gonna I'm gonna slot him in especially when I've got a I've got three games in eight days you know and I think there's a there's a lot of a lot of main games that goes on, Rafa. He's, he's 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 has everything worked out. He has a coaching staff that he trusts, and you notice a lot of the substitutions that he makes. It, it's not often not his decision. It's coaches that come up at a certain time and they'll point mm-hmm. things out to him, and uh, he'll nod and he'll agree, and uh, then the decision's made. You know, and a player's hauled off or a change is made, and he he relies seems to rely very heavily on that team ethic within his coaching staff for them who obviously work with certain players who are expecting certain things. They know players that are perhaps carrying a, a little knock, um, and their job is to watch and observe and see how the players go. And if they see anything untoward, they're up there and they're telling Rafa, and, and Rafa's taking heed of it, and he's making decisions accordingly, you know? Mm. Um, that's, that's, that's new, I think. That's something that I've never noticed before. Maybe, maybe I'm just becoming a bit more observant uh, in the old age of... of <laughs> Of what coaches are doing, rather than what players are doing on the pitch, I don't know. From your posh seats, yes, I, I can I think that's <laughs> the case, uh, Steve. Uh, Neil, what, what's what do you th- what's your thoughts on the fact that um, when it comes to the the, the actual team and the, the way it's been formulated, it's very much it's you know I, you can see the, obviously we're nearly close to the win well getting into the winter time now that you, you can sense the train. It's just starting to get ready. Well, yeah, I mean, we're approaching a time where the squad depth is going to be um, is is going to be vital, going to be absolutely vital at the end of the day. Um, once you hit sort of the time when suspensions and injuries and winter pitches start to kick in, that's when. The fact that we've now bought into this concept of the squad rotation be less unsettling to our squad compared to somebody, say, like, for example, look at Huddersfield, who can't have the same squad depth. And the minute they have to make, they're in a position where they've got to make changes. They've got no choice because somebody's on five yellow cards and another one's done his hamstring. Um, then... That's going to unsettle them more than it will this squad. We've bought into it. Rafa's got everybody bought into it and calmed their jets about this one's not playing this week and that one's not playing this week. 
And as, as Steve quite rightly pointed out, we've got a lad absolutely champing at the bit to play who was the championship's top scorer last season. Mm. Um, and that's, that's a luxury. And this is where it should come into its own. I would have thought even 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 look at Norwich and Brighton around there. And, and I don't think they've quite got the squad depth and ability to change in and out that we have. So I think that's, also, that's what it's all about. You're right, Neil. There's also an element of confidence within your manager <coughs> and within your coach yeah. and staff where <coughs> you know, I can imagine Rafa's quite confident in terms of uh, yes. a rotation policy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's used it in the past. He's, he, it's, you know, it's inbred into him. He talks about it, and it's mentioned in the Chronicle, you know, day in, day out. Rafa, uh, he'll be making changes, why he's making changes, or they're second-guessing why he's making changes. I can't imagine Alex Neal at, at Norwich uh, being confident, and that's no disrespect to him. He's a young manager, and it's, it's a results-driven business for him. So I can't imagine him necessarily being the sort of manager who's going to say, well, we're going to do a little bit of rotation this week, I'm going to change a few things, it means I've got all that other formation, etc. Those younger managers are the type of managers who find a system, they stick with it, they find a winning formula, they stick with it, they find a winning formation, and they stick with it until it breaks. And then they start looking, right, what can I do, you know? And, or an injury crops up and, and a like-for-like player comes in. So... You're right. It's it's it. There's there's so many um, factors now within the game, especially in a league like this where there's 46 games. And if you if your players have bought into it, and the fans have bought into it, everybody's everybody's quite enjoyable. Apart from the lads who put bets on who's going to be first goal scorer, and have only got an hour or so to to, to, to run to the bookies. They kind of do it at before two o'clock. You know, they're the only ones who are complaining and saying, "Oh, well, I, did, I, I couldn't do it because I didn't know who was going to be playing, etc." And I couldn't do it before I got out of the house, and that type of thing. Then, you know, apart from that, the rest of us are, uh, have, have certainly bought into it as well. And it's not like, uh, you know, Saturday, for example, there was nobody sitting around going, "Oh, he's dropped Richie. Damn, what's going on? That's ridiculous. Richie's been one of our best players." It was at half time, you know. Word goes round. Oh, Richie's had a stomach bug, you know. And they're, oh, right. And everyone was just accepting it. But everybody accepted it before kickoff. It, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't like the old days. God, oh, Golden Lee's dropped Supermac, you know. <laughs> the bloke's mm-hmm. an idiot. Sat him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing oh, in. Uh, sorry, I'm going to bring in uh, Lee Lee Johnson in a moment. Okay, lads. Oh. Yeah, sure. Okay, just bring him in. Well, bringing him out, another guest before he puts his Ben to bed is Lee Johnson. Good evening, Lee. How are you? Hello, mate. All right. Aye, not too bad, not too bad. You're on the line with Steve Hasty and obviously Neil Mitchell in Dubai. So tell me, uh, you, you were very quick to jump on the fact that um, Keith has made all, all of Tyneside miserable. Uh, he didn't make me sit- miserable. <laughs> he, he didn't make me miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing. <laughs> Have you spoken to him? laughing. <laughs> So, what was your thoughts on um, obviously the performance uh, the weekend, and obviously the assertion that uh, Shelby is really coming into his own and uh, he looks he looks Gazaresque? Ah, uh, well, you know, I did I did pick a, I did pick up on that um, that little thing in the Chronicle, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be comparing him with Paul Gascoigne. Um, I, I mean, Shelby, Shelby. Um, I mean, I suppose it, it sums up kind of what Rafa's doing because there's a reason why John Joe Shelby wasn't playing for us toward the end of last season. You know, mm. 
when we went six games unbeaten, it was solely down to the fact that he wasn't working hard enough. And even at the beginning of the season, when we lost a couple of games, and I remember the first game I went to against Redden, um, I had culpable for the goal we conceded, sorry, the penalty we conceded, because he didn't follow his man, and the man that he didn't follow ended up getting fouled in the box by um, Kieran Clark, if I remember rightly, and we got a penalty. And after that match, I remember having a well, like an argument with somebody on Twitter saying, look, he'll not stay on the side if he doesn't book his ideas up and he mm. doesn't work hard enough. The kid definitely has all the tools, there's no doubt about it. And another thing he was doing, I thought he was going along far too much. Every, mm. every pass he was making mm. was, trying, was basically trying to be a Hollywood ball and I was like, I think Rafa's got him to sit down, he's got his work rate up, he's got him on point in terms of his passing, when to go long, when to go short. But I'm not talking short backwards, I'm talking short forwards, which sometimes when he plays a short ball forward, it's a killer pass. You don't have to hit a 60-yard ball um, you know, to make yourself look like a superstar, but the thing is, he's got that in his locker. There was a, there was a moment in the second half uh, where I was looking right across the pitch where Yedlin had come on, and Yedlin basically had run in front of Vernon Anita, and Yedlin came inside purposely dead quick, and he pulled the fullback out of his position, um, and then... Anita goes flying in the where Yedlin had vacated and of course we got the ball to Shelby very quickly and Shelby just hit it just hit him with these sixty yards, put us on the attack, and everything that was good about us on Saturday did revolve around John Joe Shelby and Rafa's got him on point. He's got him working hard and that's what I wanted out of John Joe Shelby. I wanted to, everyone who stays in this team under Rafa's gotta work hard. And that was the thing that I was picking Shelby up on because the kids got undoubted talent, there's no doubt about that. But unfortunately, but with talent, it needs to come work ethic. You know, that's why the likes of Jack Colback were playing in front of John Joe Shelby towards the end of the last season in the Premier League, because he wasn't working hard enough. But he's got him on point now. I think Shelby understands that. Look, you have to work hard, as well as, as, well as having ability, because all the best players work hard. Mm. You think, you're right, you think, you're right, Lee, you're right. And can I just add to that, Lee? Yeah. You're just saying there, because I was lucky enough to, to have a... a, a half an hour chat with Rafa after the uh, the Brighton okay. game and mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about how well we played in the first 25 minutes and, and stupidly said to Rafa thought Shelby had a good game in the first 25 he, he controlled the game and he looked us in the eye and he goes uh, John Joe had a good game yes first 25 why did he have a good game in the first 25 and we all looked and thought we're being on the, put on a spot here and he said because in the first 25 he did what I told him to do he says, when John, Joe, when John Joe does what I tell him to do for the full 90, then he really will have had a good game. <laughs> and we just sat there going, right, okay. <laughs> and and yeah. it, it's, it, it's control. He, 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 he trusts the players to a certain extent, but you can tell when he's, when he's out there, he's telling them what to do. And you, we, we all go on about him constantly prodding and poking and pointing and... and uh, talking to players and certain players he talks to and he does it because he wants them to keep that concentration and maybe he spotted that that's maybe a little flaw in one or two of the players' games that concentrate during the 90 minutes so he's onto their backs all the time but he knows that, that as long as he can keep their mind ticking on and he can keep agitating he'll get the best out of them you know and he doesn't he's not going to suffer fools either because if they're not doing what he's telling them to do they're not going to be in the team and it's it's uh, it just shows you that, that Shelby has been playing out of his skin the last half dozen games and I think that's because the penny's dropped with him he's lost a bit of weight or at least he looks like he's lost a bit of weight he's trimmed a bit um, he's, 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 he's lasting games longer he's not blown out of his backside like he was when he first arrived at the club 
and towards the back end of the season, as you rightly say, when he was dropped, um, and he was dropped because he wasn't putting the effort in that he needed to, you know. Um, and it's whether it, whether you class it as good man management or uh, good observation, or um, you, you count it as a as a it's a manager who is just so anally retentive that he he spotted every single thing in the game because of it because of the way he is. I'm not really bothered as long as he's getting the best out of out of the players uh, in the manner and he does it and he's doing it with respect as well, you know. But uh, Shelby certainly did have a good game on Saturday. There's no question about that. You have to love that, Lee, can't you? You must, you must love that. The fact that he's, he's giving him a hard time because every, every time I see him play, I, I want to give him a hard time. What do you think, Lee? Andrew, that's, that's, that's all we wanted. At the end of the day, you want professional footballers giving 110, 110% on the football field. That's all any Newcastle fans ever kind of wanted when watching the football club. Certainly, as, as long as I've been supporting you know, you have the old, old delusion about these want us to win that, we want to win the Champions League, we want to win this, we want to win that, all that rubbish. You know, on, all Newcastle fans want is a team that works hard. And if you've got ability like John Joe Shelby, you know, like I said, his ability to pick the long pass and the short pass is, you know, second, well, it's second none from what I've seen. Um, but the fact we've actually got him working hard, getting the ball back, getting in positions where he actually can pass the ball and use the ball in the correct manner. Rafa, I mean, we've got a world-class manager here. I still wake up every day thinking, how the hell is he our manager? Um, you know, and, and that's just looking at the who's just been appointed at certain clubs in the championship. You know, Steve Bruce going to Aston Villa and things like that. How is Rafa, why did Rafa Benitez decide to stay at Newcastle United? Well, I know why, because he looks at Newcastle United like he looked at Liverpool Football Club and he thinks, there's a city here I can unite you now. I reckon there's something I can do with this. And I really, really do believe he sees similarities. And mate, there was a season ticket holder at Anfield, was telling me exactly the same thing. He said, you've got a diamond here, an absolute diamond here. He did The, the biggest thing he's, he's done at the club so far was, we've said it on here before, I've said it to you guys, the club and its community were so far apart, it was untrue. You could have went to probably where Neil lives in Dubai. There was no, there was no middle ground. We were basically no. dead against what was going on within the club. He came in here. The first thing he looked at was how to get the fans on board. Little things like arranging them um, summer camps in the, you know, in the summer, getting the kids involved, turning up and actually showing a proper interest in things like that. Friday night when Twitter exploded about them being up in the West End watching them players, watching them young lads and things like that. Things like that are so, so important within a football club. It's not just about what goes on on the football field and what your team does at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. It's how you interact with that community. And to be honest with you, if you get Newcastle on, if you get Newcastle on song, not just on a football field, but the, the club, the city, when it's vibrant, everyone's excited. It doesn't matter what league we're in. Then look down the road, are kidding themselves if they don't believe something's going on in Newcastle United because it is going on in Newcastle United. He has got everything. He's got everything just ticking along just nicely. Everything is getting. He's just doing little things behind the scenes that are getting things right. And if Newcastle can continue on as they are, we're just starting to bubble along. We haven't really been brilliant yet this season, but we're just getting ourselves in a position of strike. If we go up this season, I am very, and I'm trying not to think about it, but I am very, very, very excited about its future with this man as manager. Yeah, what do you think, Neil? It's like the the the, the good thing, even on Friday night, he he took uh, uh, Jamil de Salles uh, to a boys' club in mm. um, in in Newcastle, and you would never, ever, ever probably. I think Kevin would have done it, uh, but I can't yeah. think of many. Probably Bobby as well, I would suggest, uh, but. It's just tremendous, wasn't it? Because they were so excited, weren't they, Neil? This is the project, mate. 
this is the project. It's it's not just about the first team. It's about every layer of the football onion that you can peel back from top to bottom into how you know, for us expat fans, for example, mm-hmm. communication with the club's never been better or easier. You know, over the last few years, um, I've been fortunate because, thankfully, I know who to email at the right time, in the right way, and I've kept the rapport going. Yeah. But that's that, that's the exception rather than the rule. The rule in terms of contact with the club, it's been difficult, it's been awkward, it's been a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore... All of that's been knocked down. And so, you know, we see it. We've all, the, the expat fan, and, and I understand this more, you know, f- from way back when Steve and I did all the trust stuff and we, we're kind of underst- learning to understand that curious synergy between city, community, and club. Um, the, the expat fans, we look to that club to be the thing we look to to reconnect to the region, and it's, and it's the beacon. It's the thing we want to look up to. We don't want to. We don't want it to be derided. We don't want it to be an embarrassment. We want it to be something that stands up and is counted. Um, and, and, and it's becoming that again. And, and, and that's this entire project. That, that, that's the word we've touched on all season. Mm. And, you know, and this is what it's all about. And as Steve says quite rightly, the word filtering back. Uh, and Lee's touched on it as well. The word filtering back from people within Liverpool, from guys within people, people like the Spirit of Shankly group, was was that the the relationship they had with Rafa was very much like the one that he's trying to forge now with the fans at Newcastle United, and he sees that he sees that bigger picture. The one thing we all said when he was appointed, he was one of the few managers who would come straight in and not have to get it because he already got it. And, and and that's a big thing. It's a big thing for us. We never proclaim, no matter what anybody in the press writes, mm. that we want to win the Champions League every year, or we want to win this, or we want to win that. We want to have a club that's, that we're proud of, players that are proud to wear the shirt and would play like we would wear it. And we want to have a chance to bloody the nose of the great and the good and just remind them that we're there. And then we'll take it from there. And anything else we get after that is gravy. And that's what we want, and that's what expat fans want, and it's what the guys back in the northeast want. I've and that's what we're starting uh, to get back. Exactly. Start. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, w- when you go to the games, whether it be in the championship, I'll ask both Lee and um, Steve, Steve this one. Lee, go first. But um, when you go there and you're watching the football, it's obviously not on the level of um, the Premier League, but is it, in, is it enjoyable to watch? Winning, winning football matches always makes going to a football game enjoyable, Andrew. Um, you know, if you're winning football games, of course you're going to enjoy it. You know, yes, you can tell there's a difference in the level. I mean, for example, walking into a ground and not knowing any of the opposition. I, I mean, I'm looking around, going, who are these? Who are these? Yes, you. Sometimes a sunny Luke who comes out who used to play who used to play in the Premier League, the whole. But if you're winning football ma- matches, Andrew, it doesn't really matter. The big difference with you. Castle winning football matches now to when we got promoted in 2009. When we, when we, if we get promoted this season, different to 2009. When we got promoted in 2009, the, the expectations was to, you know, stay in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that was the first port of call. And of course, if Newcastle go up this season, that would be, I would say, that straight away as an ambition to stay in the Premier League. But you know, Rafa Benitez will have, you know, 
ambitions beyond that. Rafa Benitez is a world-class manager. He'll probably want to try and win a trophy. I'm not going to see it. I'll let him get on with doing that. But I would imagine he's got a long-term plan for Newcastle United. So, to, in, in short, in terms of your question, I'm not bothered about what league we're in currently. As long as we're winning football matches, as long as we're enjoying it, because I believe there's a long-term plan for what's going to happen with this particular football club as long as he remains our manager. Steve? Couldn't agree more. I'm enjoying going to games. I think everybody that I go with, <coughs> everyone that I drink with before and after, thoroughly enjoying it. Um, <coughs> the patter with the away fans who are coming up for the first time, you've got the Brentford fans who turned up there and said it was the biggest crowd that Brentford had played in front of in God knows how many years. And the last time they played in a crowd that got anywhere near that was also against us. I think it was 1980s, 1984. And uh, they, they said that you know they thoroughly enjoyed their time. I mean, they got they, they, there was no bother. They were they were they were boisterous. They were friendly. There were there was good crack. Um, there's a different atmosphere at St James's Park. There's a different atmosphere walking up to the ground. There's a different atmosphere when you come out the ground. People are singing, walking down, um, and they're singing they're singing happy songs. They're not singing singing songs full of expletives to the aimed at, at the owner. Um, as you're walking down the concourse at the end of the match, you know it's it's it, it, there's a whole different buzz about being in in that ground. And in terms of of not knowing the opposition, you're rightly you're, we're turning up there and we're thinking never heard of him, don't know who that is, and unless unless you're like me and if you remember to take your glasses so you can have a look at the program and see who the actual player is, then you're really struggling as well, you know. But there's some decent players, there's some there's some smashing little players on the pitch. Um, and some lads doing really, really, you know, you're looking at him and saying, where is he? I've never heard of him before. Has he been in the, is he, is he playing his first game at Barnsley? Is he, is he, is he totally new? Um, is he, is he a young kid? And you start to read up and find out a little bit about them, you know? Um, these, these, these teams, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not, they're, they're not names that you've come across before, but you're going to look out for them now, you know, you're going to look out for that little, little number seven who, uh, who was running all over the place? That, that you're going to look out for that that gingerhead kid who everybody thought was uh, was Callback's brother, you know, who, who was who <laughs> yeah. was lining up against him, you know. And who's that? Who's that? You know, this type of thing. And it's great, you know. It's really, really good. That's, uh, that that thing you touched on, Steve, about the away fans. To be honest with you, I if I think back to 2009, when everyone thought Newcastle, or, you know, like we were talking about economically going out the Premier League, we we're going to struggle. That is the biggest load of rubbish ever because all these away fans, if you think back to the Premier League, right, and you think about the teams when sometimes you play Stoke or Chelsea or whatever, then they're selling half their allocation. Everyone who pretty much comes to St James's Park in the Championship brings a full allocation. And not only do they bring a full allocation, I think most fans see it as their cup final and pretty much stay at the weekend. The, oh, town, yeah. the town in 2009, I remember, was absolutely vibrant when the away fans were coming up. They were all over the town on the night down. I've seen absolutely tons of Brentford fans obviously doing exactly the same this um, this Saturday. And I, I, pref- I, have, I have to see it, you know, getting away from them, the giant of the Premier League. But the little, little clubs as such come because they want to. They bring large allocations and things like that. And it's much better. Absolutely. To- it's totally better than the Premier League from that point of view. It is, yeah. And I remember that. Like, I remember... Um, during that promotion season in Plymouth, the lads from Plymouth coming up and being in the strawberry on the Friday night. And next thing you know, we're surrounded by a group of Plymouth lads and going, what are you doing up here this early? Oh, we left at uh, 
we're up at 10 this morning, we're going to get here, we've got a hotel, we've had a got changed, we've, we've walked in from Jesmond, we've come straight to this pub because it's nearest the ground, mm. we wanted to, we want to save the atmosphere from now, you know? mm. we want to start getting in and talking to people about football because we're so excited, you know, and it was the same on Saturday, the, the, the lads from, from Brentford, you know, um, brilliant stuff, it really what is, about. it is, absolutely, and you look at their, their team, the other, I think the only, other than... Other than the, the lad that we've been talking about trying to sign, who's obviously not getting a game, you look at their mm. you look at their team. I think the, the only one that I knew in the program, I think, was uh, McEachern, who I think he was at Borough last season, and he, he's the kid from there. Uh, I think he was from Chelsea, wasn't he originally? Oh yes, and, yes. and, and they didn't they didn't even play him. He didn't even come on. He was the only name in the in the program that I knew from them, and I thought, oh well, and then realised that oh he's not in the lineup. And he never ever came on. <laughs> Who, who's that player that Newcastle allegedly supposed to bought? But he's in. I believe he's injured. He's injured. He's injured, and I think he. I think he broke his leg. He's not due back until December. Actually, his name escapes us. To be honest, apparently he's excellent footballer. He's a, yeah, apparently he's a very, very good goal scorer midfielder. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the the nice thing I heard, obviously in the midweek, that when in talks with the the ever quiet Mr. Charnley, is that um, um, he's uh, talking over the next three windows. Which I, which I think is re, you know, really, really positive for everybody, and I think a lot of people have mentioned the word matter. If we go up, um, I, I, I personally believe that if he gets fit, I will go back for Carroll as well and and ship out uh, Mr. or have Mitrovic go head to head with him. But um, it, that to me is just I love the fact that he's he is he's he's looking to do everything he can to make Newcastle. For the next ten years, one of the, one of the teams that can be relatively over, you know, short termism, isn't it? But maybe the next five years, a team that plays uh, on from front to back, from every level of the club, and it's noticeable that the teams below now, the under twenty ones reserves, the the results are picking up, Steve. Yeah, I mean, give the club a little bit of credit that we never, every time at the fans forum when it's been. When they're talking, people have asked about targets and things like that. Mm. They've always said that they're always looking three transfers ahead. They're always looking at the at the transfer window, uh, not this one, not the next one, and not the future one, but beyond that. And they're, they're looking for players, and they're watching players now that they're thinking we can pick him up in three windows' time. You know, and that's mm. always been our plan. But all of that is is the try to say it's like it's like. You're floating around on a bit on you know it's like a, a, a ten pence piece on a bit of ice, isn't it? It's just sliding across because it's all it's it's constantly changing as players are forms are dipping in and out, as players get injured, um, as your own your own situation changes, and uh, you know uh, you've got uh, um, agents coming in and demanding more money at the end, right at the end. And, you know, Lee Charney talked about this um, at the last fans forum we had, where you know you you, you you think you've got a deal done, and then all of a sudden, an agent will come in and go, uh, "Oh well, no, I need an extra this or an extra that," and you have to make a decision. Rafa, Rafa, went headlong into the whole situation of of how transfer windows operate and how agents now demand X, Y, and Z, and how you can be held a ransom and how he's not prepared to held a ransom, and how he, he works closely with Lee Charney and the rest of his coach, uh, the rest of his scouting staff, and. He, he sat and talked to us about the, 
how he's how he's 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 got putting uh, scouts all around Europe and how they report back and the manner in which they report back and and like you said I think I, I mentioned it a few programs ago where he said you know I, I, I want a I want a particular player and I didn't want the standard lamp you know I wanted the ornament um, or vice versa and and I, there's no point in you going out and saying I've got you that left winger when the left winger he's got. Yes, he might wear the number 11 on his back and people play, think he plays down the left wing, but he actually doesn't have a left foot. Um, he's never got past anyone in his life and he doesn't know what, the, what the, the byline is, you know? So he's never crossed the ball from anywhere more than 40 yards towards the goal. And, and he says, and in the past, Newcastle United have gone out and bought players like that because they've been, somebody's hoodwinked them into thinking this particular player is a, is a, is a winger. And he goes, and you get him, and he's a standard lamp. And I didn't want a standard lamp. I wanted, I wanted something else. He said, I think he said, I wanted a set E, and they got us a standard lamp. You know, that was the analogy he was using. He says, and you've got it. He wants to be in control of who we're buying because he's got his staff going out. But he says, we're all got to know the type of winger I want. We've all got to know the type of midfield player I want. I want to know everything about that player. And he says, well, and the, there is a system, there is a, a, a software package that they use that costs about. Oh, I think it's like two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand pounds that everybody reports into. All the videos are collected. All the reports come in match by match from scouts all around the world on on different players, and the and the clubs buy into that, and they get the reports, and then they're able to analyse themselves exactly what's going on. They're able to run comparisons and and really analyse the data about players as well as physically going out and seeing those players for themselves. You know, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's a fascinating, you know. It's, it's probably you, you probably need Rafa on the show to, to explain to you. I'll try because it blew it blew my mind. I tell you. <laughs> well, when you see him, I'll tell you. You know, you know me. I'll be down there in a shot. But um, <laughs> when, when you when you believe when you think of the fact that the windows obviously the windows that's just ended lately. I think the one it's the one time I think we found with Newcastle and Rafa is that. Yes, we got we got a lot of players in, but the, what you've got a guy who in charge when it comes to the signings, we don't really have to worry too much because he's not like as Steve just quite rightly said, he he knows the type of play he wants and how they how they're going to play, and that's the good thing, isn't it? Because the, the next windows, we feel, even I can sense that in every window, we're going to be in charge of it. I mean, the, the single most important thing that happened in Newcastle in the summer was. Rafa Benitez getting his lawyers or whatever to sign off on him being given full control. <laughs> it was as simple as that. The moment that the moment that was announced, that was when most of us got tiny. I would imagine most of you, most Newcastle fans got slightly giddy. I did straight away. I just thought, thank God, we've handed power to somebody that actually knows what he's doing. So you know, he is he ultimately will put people in place to do things that he believes will do the correct job for him. He. He will ultimately analyse, because I think he's a, basically a football workaholic, he'll analyse all the information that he is given. For example, not just talking about transfers, I don't know if Steve's picked this up when he's at the match. Um, my dad noticed that at Rotherham, um, every time the opposition gets a corner, or we get a corner, Rafa Benitez sits down and his assistant gets up with a clipboard. Every time. And I was like, Dad, what are you on about? So I started watching and I did it again on Saturday, and like I said, every time the opposition gets a corner, or we get a corner, Rafa Benitez actually sits down in his seat, 
and his assistant gets up with a clipboard and starts watching and starts pinpointing stuff and things like that. So, again, just a, a little thing like that, attention to detail. He obviously believes this guy who's he's number two out of nine name is, has got the corner board sorted, who's marking what, who's doing this. Oh, wow. So, like you're talking about transfers, he will have people in place that he believes will come back to him with the right, the right people, the right staff, the right this, what he needs and when. So, like I said, the, the biggest thing that happened at Newcastle United was in the summer when it took a little bit of time to get Rafa Benitez to sign his signature on the line to say he was going to be Newcastle manager and the statement that came out in full control of all football matters. That's the biggest thing that's happened to this club in a long, long time because we all know that we can trust this man and what he says, what he says, you can pretty much take to the bank. He's trustworthy. He's doing the right things. He says the right things and you can tell he's actually got the best interest of the club at heart. Yeah, what is it? Neil, it's it's that little bit of detail. Before I, before I ask Neil on that one, Steve, have you noticed that? Did you? Because obviously you're on the posh sheets, so you should say it. I, I presume. I've noticed. I've noticed that. So I've got a he, 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 when he makes decisions, the decisions are like like I said earlier about the substitutions. They're, they're made in in dialogue with people behind him who are coming up and telling them. They're spotting players that are, have slowed down. They're spotting players that, that look as though they've been, you know, rubbing a calf or rubbing a thigh, and players that are, that have slowed down in their game for the previous ten minutes, or they've spotted there's a problem with them, or they're just not putting the evidence. And that, that there's a constant dialogue between Rafa and the men sitting in the dugout behind them, and it's it's not always Rafa that tells the players to go and warm up, um, and has them running up and down the line, um. And invariably, I've seen quite a few substitutions where someone's come up, gone onto Rafa's shoulder, he's looked, he's nodded, and then next thing you know, there's a bloke being told to get changed. And there's so much goes on in a game that Rafa obviously has has his team behind him and and he, he trusts them implicitly on that. Their role within the within that what they've got to look for, and they're helping them. They're 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 helping him during the game as much as he's out there helping the John Joe Shelby's of this world to keep concentrating for 90 minutes, you know? It's everything down to the last minute minute detail, isn't it, Steve? It is, yeah. And you know what, Neil? I think that's why, when you talk talk about that, that's why the the, the transfer window in January, the Mm. player's already been spotted. Is Alan Judge really going to come in in January from Brentford or... Is, mm. is that one passed because his, his leg hasn't healed up enough? But Raphael has made the decision. He'd have probably had a word with Brentford when they've been here um, you know, at the weekend. No doubt. Because obviously, if he, if he was already interested in the player, he's bound to have taken, because apparently we put an offer in and they got knocked back, or we were certainly, you know, um, deals were supposed to be ready. And Raphael, if he has, he'll be getting reports on those players, where they are with their current, current teams. And... It'd be interesting if Alan Judge does come in January and he sees him as a little cog in the midfield that, that he feels as though he needs somebody who's scoring goals. But is Goufran playing that role that Alan Judge would have played? You know, as he looked and said, well, one, you know, Alan Judge isn't fit. He's, he's still recovering from this nasty leg injury. But I've got a player who's now doing that work and is, and is getting the odd goal from midfield, you know. Um, I, and things I, I, change in football as well, you know. I'd say it probably depends on whether the, he wants he, he's wanting to bring players in in January with a view to then building a Premiership team, yeah, or whether he's happy 
to just build in January to ensure promotion. This, the, 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 these are the, the details. But, you know, even down to, though, and, and, and we've seen it, Lee's touched on it, about the, the total football control. He's, he's made transfers that the transfer committee would never have made. And 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 this, this just goes to show that committees rarely make really very good decisions on on many occasions, certainly in football. And I mean, Pardew is still using that excuse now with Crystal Palace to excuse some of the things he did and didn't do. Oh, I tried to sign this one and I tried to sign that one. Um, because he was an absolute fraud. Well, absolutely, <laughs> yes, that, that, that's correct. But, um, you know, you, you know I, I think also when you look at Rafa's uh, decision-making on terms of rotation, I think what he's also doing, and I know some people say, oh, well, he shouldn't be picking teams based on opposition, you should let them worry about us. What he's looking for is the classic mismatch. It's what you look for in many sports. If you look at American football, what they want to do get get on the field is maximise opportunities of mismatch. When you've got a, 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 a when you end up with a linebacker marking a wide receiver or a very nimble tight end, you're going to create mismatch. When you've got a big fast receiver on the wide and you've you've got a defensive back who's not got the same pace, you've got a mismatch. And that's all Rafa's trying to do, I think, on the pitch when he puts an eleven out against an opposition eleven, what he's looking for is trying to create as many mismatches all over the field as possible. And then I think it's up to the players then to say, Well go on, drop us. Somebody like yeah. Gale, for example, yeah. who's firing goals in left, right and centre, very, very difficult to drop him at the moment. I bet Rafa has absolutely no hesitation to do so if he thinks it's the right thing to do and it's going to create a mismatch. He's not dropping anyone. He's rotating them. There's no such word as dropping them. We don't drop players anymore. We rotate them. Because it is. That's true, isn't it? The rotating bit. They're not being dropped, really. He's just keeping them. He's keeping the edge. He's keeping them ready to go, I always think. Well, as, as um, Steve just pointed out, Andrew, apparently he literally looks at all the stats and if he mm-hmm. sees something in training where maybe a little, the levels are down. Currently, our squad, which we keep seeing, is second and on in this particular league. And like I said, team, when teams start to get little niggles, little suspensions here or there, we're, we're two or three players deep for now each position, which is only going to be work out a good thing for us. Yeah, yeah what, 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 and also what they, they, this this whole system that they have at the club, um, that they operate under, it goes, it starts at at junior level and it works its way all the way through to the first team, and every player's monitored and every player's results are are, are kept, and they, they don't just take players out when their when their form's dipping, but they take players out. For example, they look at a player, and they do it certainly in the in the lower part of the in the, in the youth system, and they look at a player and they go, he played on Saturday and he ran 13 kilometres, and so they'll go, <clears throat> that's too much. So the coaching staff will take him to one side, and his his training during the week will be altered to, in such a way so that he's not putting too much effort in during the rest of the week because he put so much effort in during during the, the game and other players he might say well he only did eight so they'll, they'll change his training regime and they'll have him doing various extras to, to because they're wanting his fitness to come up so that they're, they're wanting them all to be on the same fitness level but there's ways and means because everybody's metabolism is different and everybody's physicality is different and yeah, you, know, you you could go out and some players could go out and run thirteen, or some people could go around thirteen kilometres every day. But some of us would run thirteen kilometres and then not be able to walk for the next four days. In the middle of that, you've got a player who could run thirteen kilometres, but then 
to keep that standard for the next week of 13 kilometres, you have to limit them and you have to stop them. You have to say, well, you're only going to do five kilometres on Tuesday and you're going to do seven kilometres, but we're going to alter that with a little bit of bike work or we're going to alter it with a little bit of, you know, we're going to have you in the sauna or we're going to have you um, on the on the rowing machines or whatever. We're going to do cardiovascular rather than physical or whatever, and so it goes on. So that the, the monitor, and they do it all the way through the club. It's not... It's not uh, this scientific approach that they use just for the for the uh, the first team. In fact, if you go to the go to the training ground and you see the players all have a little, all their names are on the charts, and uh, the the players themselves can see exactly what the performance was the the, the day before, and they're, they're taken in individually and they talk through it and everything, you know. So. It's, uh, it's science and engineering as much as uh, as much as the uh, the old ways of, uh, of watching somebody and then uh, going, ah, he's done all right, or oh, now nah, we'll take him out. He's he's playing rubbish, you know. I think there's an element of that as well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think well, so. I think. Yeah. And little things like that are getting me proper, proper, proper giddy about this football club because of the manager we've got in charge because he's put in a proper system, a system which is going right through the whole club, because all there was before he walked in was an absolute ridiculous losing mentality from top to bottom. All the, all the, all the youth teams were losing, the reserves were using, losing, the under-18s were losing, we were losing. It was just embarrassing, it was ridiculous, and that was all because they were putting, like, Burks in charge of, like, you know, things with where I reckon I could have done a better job than some of them. I mean, Christ, who were points to, like, the joke and here, not once, but twice at the football club. I mean, this... No wonder everyone was absolutely up in arms about Mike Ashley, but now I just think the penny's dropped. He's he put a guy in charge. It basically is totally, it's just basically connecting like a dot to dot. And mm-hmm. it might actually, might actually make an absolute mint out of this football club if he just allows it to work, just allows Rafa to get on with it. You do have to love the fact that we're playing so many games, but he's, ma- he's making them go into train. He's making them go into training on the Sunday, and it's well, like. He should. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. The thing is, like, I remember Shelby say, I remember Shelby saying it, saying that you know they, they have to go in, and he, he is one of those guys. If you don't keep on him, you, you know fine well he'll, he'll slip out, he'll he'll, he'll drop, he'll drop uh, his performance. And I think he's such a young lad. I think he ne- he's always needed that stick, but I still think there's more to come from him. But the only way we're going to get it is by the stick. What do you think, Neil? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, difficult one. Difficult one. Uh, well, gents, I've got to bring in a young lady now. Thanks for coming on the show, um, Lee and uh, Steve. Uh, we'll catch you next week, okay? But thanks so much for coming on. Cheers, guys. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, guys. Lovely. You've made my night. Thanks a lot, lads. Cheers, man. I'll let you go and watch the football. I am. All right, so we're going to bring the lady. I'm going to bring in my my guest who hasn't been on for a few weeks, but the lovely, lovely, lovely Susan Snowden. Good evening, Susan. How are you? You paid to give you that size, had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> are you all right? I am not too bad, not too bad. And uh, uh, you must be full of the joys of spring. Obviously, Neil is obviously in another country enjoying the, the heat, but. Uh, you must be loving life at the minute watching Newcastle. Fantastic. I've just been watching Look North and seeing Rafa smile and laugh and talk and watch those goals was absolutely amazing. 
in what a great thing to have nearly a full capacity, eh? Yeah, it's it's really good stuff. And have you managed? Because I know you go to um, most events. Have have you mm. spoken to him? Have you have you had like a nice talk with him? No, I'm waiting till Christmas. <laughs> yeah, he, might, he, might invi- he might invite you to the training ground you never know well you never know he's the only one I have that hasn't <laughs> but lovely hmm. watch Shelby watch Shelby the passes the goals obviously um, still think Dumbnut um, needs to go but um, you know look like we had his replacement coming in at the end of the game and what a difference he made didn't he uh, the thing is, like with this guy Lazar, the interesting thing about him, I I agree with you. I thought he would come in straight away, but uh-huh. it sounds it sounds like with um, I don't know what Neil thinks, but um, it's going to be a slow, slow process before he gets up to the the speed that that what um, uh, that uh, Yedlin's up to because Yedlin has you know revitalised I think the the whole team and uh, with Lazar and he's obviously a similar age. But being mm-hmm. from another country, um, he's got that speed. But I, it sounds like he hasn't got the defensive nous that I would suggest um, Paul, Paul's got when it comes to. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Are you being happy? <laughs> <laughs> what do you, do you think me of what Paul does? He stands there, he passes the ball, he kicks it to the side, he misses it, he turns and faces the other direction when the ball's going back to him. Um, we have to get to that quality. God, no. I just think, get him out now. Get him out now and get the other kid in. Because do you know what? He reminded me when he came on and he was talking to the, the other defenders, you know, and saying, you know, get in the line. It was a bit like Jonathan Woodgate, how he was commanding the back line. What was Dummer doing? Standing in the corner waiting to kick the ball out to the wrong player. Um, no, I honestly feel Dummett's time is now. He's got to go. Um because we've got such a good team, and that's where the, um, it's leaking at the back. It's leaking just with one man. Yeah, as you can tell, I'm not his biggest fan. No. But, he's, I mean, if he, what he watches back the replays, he can only say, yeah, I played poor, and again. But he's just not fitting in with the way we're going forward, which is the only way is up. Neil, Neil, he's playing him every week, isn't he, Neil? Something. Do uh, it. Yeah, he's playing more or less every week, isn't he? Yeah, he pretty much has. But I mean, I think everybody's harsh on Dummett, To be fair, I think I think there, I think there could be a lot worse. Are you um, a relative? Are you a relative? Absolutely not. Um, is, is this Mr. Dummett number two? I'll, I'll, I'll happily criticise where where it's due. But I mean, again, if you want to want to look at stats and track record, I think you'll find last season in particular we we, we picked up more points with him in the team than without. I think Lazar's problem coming in, and I think this is what Rafa wants to do, is get him used to physicality. Mm. I think you probably find, I bet he's been uh, hit with some tasty little challenges in training and, and, and <laughs> mm-hmm. being, toughened, being toughened up to that. I think on certainly on paper and on the face of it and what I've heard about the player, um, and, and obviously there's, there's connections in this part of the world with him being Moroccan and the MENA region, the wider MENA region in Arabic football, um, people over here talk highly of him and, and were quite surprised to see him step down to the championship from Serie A, but I suspect that's the Rafa effect at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, I think he's likely, yes, he, he, he adds something that, that, that Dummett probably can't add. 
Um, if he's a better communicator, then I'm all for that. I'm all for communicators on a football pitch. Mm. Uh, I'd rather have 11 chirpers any day of the week. You, you need that uh, in any team sport. Cause the art of communication is, 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 is something essential to, to success. Um, and I think, think he, he, he comes, comes rated as an attacking fullback. And I think, he, I think it wouldn't surprise me to some, in some games to see um, almost Rafa playing twin fullbacks with with Dummett and Lazar on one side and 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 um, and Aaron and yeah Diedlin on the other uh, and, and and it allows what what um, uh, what Lee was touching on about how one will make a move and the other one can just quickly hot foot into the space that's been created uh, and I think I think if I seem to remember Alex Ferguson doing that quite successfully with Man United for a short period of time. I think if you you want to look at the 60 yard times on the players in the club I think you find Paul Dummett's in the top five he's deceptive I'll argue this all day long about stats when you look at the stats for him yes and I don't know why at our club we have this thing about left full-backs, but mm-hmm. we've done it since time immemorial for me. Have a go at the left full-back. I don't know why the left full-back, the number three. Maybe it's just because I used to play left full-back. That might be why I'm, I'm so shirty about it. Um, <laughs> well, maybe you know, it's stomach if he's been doing these stats for two years. Maybe it's him that's got in the position we're at. Let's look at it that way. All the leakage he's caused on that side. Yeah, mm, well, I think you're looking for bigger holes to plug than left fullback for so me. So would you play? Would you play the czar? Would you play the czar against Barnsley tomorrow away from home? Considering that, you know, how, how how long did he play on um, Saturday, uh, Susan? Was it fifteen twenty minutes? So it was just so it was a late. But stop, it so. was, but it was proactive, yeah. and like like your friends just said, he was very vocal. And not just watching the ball, he was watching where the other players are. And, um, yeah, Dummett had a couple of hits of the ball and he got applauded. And, mm. you know, that's just the Geordie fans' way of taking the mickers though to say, my God, he's hit the ball. You know what I mean? And he's done something right. Rather, because we do tend to focus, you do tend to focus on the mistakes when a player mm. um, makes them and, and, it, and it's week after week. And then he sort of stands out, you know, that mm. that's where the, the faults are. And then when somebody comes into that position and, and governs it like he did for the last 20 minutes, then you've got something to compare with, you know. So um, maybe it's, I'm not a statistician, I'm just a fan, 40 years home and away, but I love the difference that it made. So only time and tell. I mean, I've met Paul's dad, I've met Paul's dad, I've spoken when we're at Man City, mm. and he says he's got a long way to go, mm. um, but whether it's going to be with Rafa, I don't know, you know. But because the, the interesting thing about Paul Dummett to me is that you've, got a, you've always got a, a, a manager that's going to be, wants it compact, wants players to do certain things. Now, the one thing I would say about the fact that the left-back situation is, like, you would think you would see a, a, a huge amount of improvement because if he if he likes that the, his defender his left his left sided player to play a certain way he's he's gonna like the defender who knows he's got a defensive minded manager would you would think he'd be absolutely all in he would be running around he would be doing more things um, 
but the fact that he's playing him week after week and he hasn't got much choice though Andrew you know yeah. it, we've had Haidara who's made a glass yeah. and who's it was been in and out the Susan side. likes him though you know, like him don't you Susan well, okay, he's, he's a, he's a <laughs> super little super little player but he's injury yeah. prone yeah. and so Dummett still has to keep coming back and I think Dummett falls between, if you want my 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 weighing up of him is he falls, yeah. falls between two stools he's always looked more comfortable for me at centre back rather than yeah, left full back I agree. Yeah. and he's neither a left back nor a centre back he's sort of halfway between the two and that's where it all falls to bits yeah, and exactly. somebody yeah. needs to get hold of him and say you are now this is where we're going to play you yeah. and you need to learn this position to its full depth and yeah. he's, he's not had He's now only now really is he had a sort of a slightly more consistent run in the team and it's been at one position. He hasn't been centre back, left back, left back, centre back, centre back, mm-hmm. left back, mm-hmm. on the bench for Haidara for three games. Then back in the team at centre back as somebody's injured because my squad's threadbare. And I think for a young player, it's very very difficult to learn a position on the job. Mm-hmm. Really very difficult. Mm-hmm. And so he, he sometimes isn't going to have the natural fullback instinct of when to stay, when to go. And then yeah, sometimes yeah. he's, he's going to want to do what a centre-back does. Well, sorry, if you do that at the left full-back area, that's when you might make a mistake. That leads to something a bit more catastrophic. Usually mm-hmm. your mistakes at left full-back don't lead to something catastrophic because usually somebody's there to hold you out of it. But when the left-back, the left-sided centre-back for so long has been a, a half-a-yard short, Colaccini disinterested, mm-hmm. wanting to be back in Argentina, mm-hmm. every mistake that Paul Dummett made then got magnified because often Colaccini wasn't there to to do what it, we know Colaccini could have done at one stage. And mm-hmm. so he, he's neither one thing nor another, or he hasn't been one thing nor another, and now he's really only learning the full-back position properly, and it's on the job, and that's a really difficult place to yeah. learn it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, 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 it's, whereas if you've got someone like, like um, Lazar to, to come in, he um, is, um, it, it, well, that's the, posi- the, the, the place he's made. He's, he's one of these wingers, turned into a left back which is something slightly different and that's a more modern full back I know I, I do my dinger over here when I say some of the football training with the youth teams over here when they're applauding left full backs doing Cruyff turns in their own 18 yard box and I'm just screaming get the bloody ball out you <laughs> yeah, know I'm, yeah. I'm going my ends but that seems to be in modern football they don't really seem to teach the art of natural defending anymore not in the full back position full backs are all seem to be wanting to be pushed on and a lot of them now are converted wingers and it's, it's, it's sort of almost a very different role that we're asking them to play. So do you think... Well, hopefully uh, they get to one-to-one, yes. What, what, what do you think, Susan? Do you, do you, would you prefer him, like I think, I think we've all wanted him to be the centre-back, but there's so many, there's so many centre-backs, mm-hmm. you, you can't imagine him really playing in there because there's so much choice now, which is great, isn't it? But if he's, I think um, he's going to be there for the foreseeable future, but... Yeah, would you prefer him to be his, his natural position is centre-back? Well, if, if that's what he is, then somebody need, needs, like your friends just said, somebody needs to take control and say, right, this is what you are, and give him some, I don't know what they do at the training ground, if they give him one-to-one training, or do you know what I mean? Yeah. And say, right, you're going to have to adapt to this because this is what you're going to be doing. Because the lad's been there a while, mm. and if he is torn between the devil and the deep blue scene, doesn't know where he is. We all know what it's like going to work and you haven't got a clue what you're doing from one day to the other. <laughs> no, do you know what I mean, though? Yeah, um, you, yeah. you, you, get a, you get asked to multitask, you get asked yeah. to do a job, 
and you haven't got the skills or the experience and you try to get it and everybody's busy doing their own thing, you don't get it. Let's just hope then the lad gets it. Um, mm. But speaking on a positive, wasn't Shelby amazing? Eh? Yeah, obviously he got a lot of plaudits and Joe Allen was mentioned that he's Gazer-esque, but you, you, obviously we, we were around when Gaza was, what did you think, because he had the, obviously it was the game was gone for Brentford, but he had the, the pitch to himself, do you think he can do more, or do you think it's just the start? Well, hopefully it's just the start, because it's, it's exciting, isn't it? I mean, that's the last three years of rubbish we've watched, um, just seeing, I like the way Rafa has been mixing the team, and seeing who can play what, and swapping it all about, because that's the only way... Um, he's going to find out who's best at doing what and getting the best out of the team and look where we are in the league. Mm. And it's getting quite nice to see victory after... I mean, we're not to, we're not to have to think that it can go on, but it would be lovely to think that this is the way forward. Mm. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Just you. choking on the... But yes, it was fantastic. The thing is, uh, what's, what, when, you're, when you're going to the game and you're watching it, what... What's the one thing you've, you've you've probably picked up from the the, the season where we obviously got relegated, but from the, the last six games that Rafa was there, has it with the the, of the amount of players the amount of players he's brought in, is there a, is there a, a way that the system that they're playing every week, the players are doing the same thing every week, or do you think they're improving week after week? Well, I think, do you know, like, when we've been in the Premier League for so long, I'm just saying this as a fan, right? You get used to watching these teams, all the Chelsea's and Man United's, and you know how they play. And then we've got these teams that we haven't played for a few years. Like, you know, Barnsley tomorrow night, okay? I couldn't name one of them players. I couldn't say he's going to be like a, you know, like a... Andy Cole or whatever, or whoever Chelsea have got a drug by, you know where they're going to play. We haven't got a clue what we're coming up against. And I don't think we're adapted well sometimes to changing when they've got a tactic, you know, like, was it Wolves the other week? Mm. When they come and the whole team went forward and then the whole team went back. We're not used Mm. to, we didn't adapt to that, you know. Um, And then played them again and the cup game was different altogether. Was it Wolves? Yeah, Wolves, yeah. But yeah, I had play, play. I didn't go to the cup game because I thought, oh, God, we're going to get hammered if we play like that. But we didn't. Rafa went and changed it. You know, he didn't have McLaren yeah. who just went, oh, God, let's just do the same thing and not change anything. Mm-hmm. I think Rafa's he's swapping around. But you know yourself, you can't just change things overnight. But things seem to be changing for a positive, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't, like, wait too long. He seems to make changes straight away. Like you go in and you, you can't predict what team he's going to play. But of late, what we've saw has been fantastic. So I think let the guy just do what he what he does, you know, because I'm paying £700 a month and I've been getting some good value for it. And it's just good to see good football. That's the difference. We're, mm. seeing, we're seeing a team that's trying now. And a manager, I love it when he's screaming on the touchline instead of the other two plonkers who just sat there and done loud. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. when we had Carver, he, it used to boil my pee. When we had Carver, we had a manager, we had Peter Beasley. What about four people shouting at all the players, you know, and they didn't know where to go? Mm. Now we've just got Rafa, and he's going at them right till the end, coming on the pitch with them. I mean, not this, not this Saturday, this Saturday the last home game. 
when Dermot had such a bad game, you could tell the players went over to the uh, paddock, you know, and mm. one of them threw their shirt in. Mm. And Dermot had had so much hammering off the fans. He didn't go over, but Rafa mm. come out, got him, got him, walked him halfway across the pitch at the end of the game and pushed him towards there. He, so he's recognising that the lad obviously wasn't feeling the best of confidence. Mm. So even that, you can see, because I watch a lot, I know I talk a lot, but I watch a lot as well. Um, and it's just those little things that you think there's a definitely seems to be a culture change with the way that they're getting threat as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, Bobby used to put his arm around players and look after mm-hmm. them. Um, you see Rafa, he, he goes to different players and his arms around them and you're thinking he cares. And, and that as a fan is nice to see as well, you know. It's interesting, isn't it, Neil, that what Susan says that the fans are absolutely hammering him, Paul Dummett, but every single week Rafa plays him, but he's getting that much abuse. Ra- um, Rafa's, um, Rafa's not going to be swayed by anything. Oh, I know, I know. What he, what he sees is the right thing to do. Well, that's um, right. Uh-huh. And if he's putting his arm around the lad. Well, and, and there's a man management thing there that probably hasn't, right. ha- hasn't happened in the club since Sir Bobby was there. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, and, I, and I think again, there's, there's yeah, the the the, the Rafa effect, the, that ripple throughout top to bottom of somebody mm-hmm. who can change a culture in a club mm-hmm. um, because it, it's needed. It. It's, it, it, it there's been so much gone awry over the last you know few years that um, I'm amazed he's been able to turn so much around so yeah. quickly. To be fair. It, but it, I'll tell it, you it's real testimony to, to him, but also under under us in the ability to start to heal and repair and to build uh-huh. bridges back that would would once burned. You know, yeah. we, we were really entrenched. Go ahead. Um, uh, what were you going to say? I was just going to say when we were doing Sapoli, you know, when we had Steve McLaren there in Hall in um, Carver, mm-hmm. we used to get emails every week. We used to get them off Lee Charney, apologising, thanking with a go. You had Steve McLaren's weekly update, you know, on the game, in an email. And it used to, as a fan, boil my blood, okay? It was just their way of, of sending out um, a mass email, which just was infuriating the fans. And it was a bad publicity move. Whoever, whoever decided that was a good thing. And I'm so glad that that stopped that we're not getting all these pathetic emails is like, uh, oh, we're sorry, because it didn't wash. So I'm glad somebody in the clubs took that away from me, you know, um, because I didn't need that email. Um, but even right. that is a positive thing as a fan as well, you know, um, yeah. that that's then happening. You're absolutely right, Susan. I mean, Colicini must have sent out more emails <laughs> than, the, than, uh, the yeah. Argent- <laughs> than the Argentinian government have to the UN about the fact that they Ridiculous. And they were all the, they were all the same. Sorry, we won't do it again. Well, no, you did. I know. Um, is this sorry for the time you said you weren't going to do it again, or the time before you said you weren't going to do it again, or the time before that when you said uh-huh. honestly we're never going to do it again, and you did. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, I'll and tell you what the funniest oh. thing was. I bumped into Colicini on Northumberland Street when he was here, and I said, oh, thank you for your constant emails. He went, what emails? I went, oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> thank you for that. Did he get sent off for that as well? <laughs> <laughs> the, 
So I didn't have a clue that they were going out, you know what I no. mean? They were so, exactly. you know what I mean? It was just, it was so ridiculous. Um, but anyway, some, some lovely of to talk yeah, I've got, I've got John on. You want to have a quick hello to John? Oh, he's God, he's, he's, in, he's, in Bris- he's back in Bristol, you know, so tell him Celtic again. I'll leave you in his capable hands. On that note, I'm going to pull my toenails out one by one. <laughs> Take care, John. Thanks. Thanks, Susan. Have a lovely night. See Take you care. Thanks, Bye-bye. Susan. Quality, yeah, Susan. quality. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's proper quality here, like, I love having her on, she's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, love, hey, I think I'll have her on, I'll have her on every week just to talk about Dummit. <laughs> brilliant. I love, the, I love the back and forth between her and Neil, fantastic. But like, so John, tell me, uh, what's, uh, um, what, what's your thoughts on a, a good weekend for Newcastle United and uh, onwards and upwards? What, what's your thoughts on everything Newcastle United? Right, so good evening, guys. Good evening, good evening. Good evening Susan. She's still there. She is, I think. I she's think, still. I, I think she's. I think she's gone. <laughs> I can still see on my list, but she's. She might have put the phone up, but she's probably listening. Right. But like, um, so tell me, what, yeah. what, what's your thoughts on it? Because it it seems that the constant changes are working. I'm jogged out to agree you, mate. I mean, um, I came to the match on Saturday, as you knew, and um, yeah. I thought the first half. I mean, the first half an hour or so we were. Absolutely fantastic, weren't they? I mean, John Joe Shelby, outstanding. He passed the ball, passing those those Hollywood passes. I mean, I criticise of him sort of thing, like he's done them too much. But on occasion, he's got it right. I mean, he's been outstanding. I mean, the goals are good, and uh, I, we was to me, we was comfortable. I think in the first half, we really were, and I thought Brentford, um, they've tried, but um, I just thought um, they were totally blown away. But um, three points. Almost a lot of words, and you know what? I think now you can see the team are actually gelling. They really are gelling, and almost a lot of words, you know, let's keep going, let's keep doing it. Yeah, I think um, yeah. it's, it's interesting the fact that the way that the constant changes that are being done, and the fact that she, the fact that you know the players, everybody's on board with it, and they're, 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 after the match or before the match, they're speaking. Uh, with with fans about what's going on, like Daryl Murphy talking to yeah. uh, Steve Hasty yeah. about um, you know what you know how much he wants to play, how much he's looking forward to it. Uh, he's come back from injury. You've got other players that uh, you know just seem to be ooze along with confidence because that's what the that's what the the championship's all about. It's all about confidence. I totally agree with you. I mean, I mean, the players are just loving it here. There's no bickering. There's no mourning at this club. They're all waiting for their turn. I mean, I don't know what Rafa's trying to do this with the team. So people are not very happy about it. But to be fair, it's good to have a, a big squad in the mm. team. And I'm very comfortable with that as well. I mean, everyone get their turn. It should be patient. When you pit, when you pit, then you should be happy that you're in the team. But don't expect to be a first-team ass sort of thing because, um, you know, he likes to keep that team fresh as well. I'm going back on Murphy sort of thing. I think this guy could be our trump card, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously he's going to come in, right, but surprise a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he scores 15 goals this season because he's got Oof. all it takes to championship, you know what I mean? I know being ambitious, right, but he will score goals in that league. And he's... I think it's going to surprise a lot of people, you know. I just think it's going to do well for us. I really do. 
Neil, do you think? 15 goals? 15 goals? If he plays, I can't see him getting 10 10 appearances. I think he will. will. (laughs) If he plays some 4 4 then maybe. (laughs) It depends on how flexible Rafa is on his system. Mm. Gail's the hot hand at the moment, and he's gonna, he's gonna. I think he's gonna raid the hot hand. Um, but yeah, I so. then I think he's not frightened to chuck someone in for something game specific. Like Steve said before, um, that certainly the feeling seems to be he's, he's ready to let Murphy loose on his old club. Um, Mitrovic uh, played well through the week for his national team. Um, kind of came back. Was bigged up by Rafa and didn't even get on the pitch. You know, it's, um, <laughs> I, I, I think I think we we all just have to go with the selections as he plays them and enjoy it for what it is. And I and I think the significant thing for me is the goals are coming from absolutely everywhere. Mm. We've got a widespread of goals, goals throughout the side, and that just gives other teams a problem. Who are going to mark at corners? Well, there's five of them scored here. Mm-hmm. Who's the threat? Who's the threat? Well, all of them are, and and I think this is it. it is in in so while, for example, you look at Clark's goal when that move originally breaks down and then it goes back out and the ball comes back in. You can see this chaos at, at, at the back by Brentford because mm-hmm. that they're trying to decide who the hell they will pick up here, and in trying to decide who they were picking up, they went through paralysis by analysis, and there's Clark with almost a free header. And 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 that's the strength that we've got. That there isn't a focal point. You know, okay, Gale is the focal point for goals technically, but we've got goals throughout the entire team. And in any position, and in any set play, in any any breakdown of play, there's always somebody who can come along who could pop up with a goal from somewhere. Be that a thunderbolt from um, fr- from Gufran. Or scrambled over the line with the, the tip of his boots by D, by by Yedlin. I, 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 as I've said a long time, I don't care how they're scored, whether they're going off somebody's backside or not. They all count. We'll have them from all over the pitch, and then let's count them up at the end of the season and see who's got what. I, 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 that's the way I like it at the moment, and um, I'm, I'm not overly fussed where they come from personally. Yeah. What do you think, John? About um you know, any player that, because obviously Gufron, when he's in a team, Newcastle don't seem to lose. But I've, I've heard a few people say he's uh, he hasn't played well the last couple of games. What's your thoughts on him? Um, well, look, I mean, um, I mean, players don't have great games in every single game. Sometimes they have all two bad games, as long as the, the team wins, of course. Mm. But, um, I mean, Gufron, I mean, since he's played, I think he's given us all sort of thing like, you know, I mean, um, he looks a lot better. He, he mm. grows the goals. He scores some good goals, you know. And uh, it's just, um, you know, I just think he's a player who's born, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? I'm no he's not going to... He's rough the type of player. He works hard, not just coming forward, but he also tracks back as well and defends, you know what I mean? And he's not a bad defender as well, when you guess it, you know. OK, he made a boo-boo against Norwich when he gave away a penalty sort of thing. That's the only bad thing he's done. But... Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this now. I mean, I'll feel comfortable and I trust Rafa with his team selection. Like Neil said earlier on, whoever he picks, just enjoy it. Just get on with it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I trust the man. He knows exactly what he's doing. And they're going to go out and win. But uh, 
you know. But um, I wonder if he's going to stay next season. He's out of contract at the end of the season, sort of thing. But I heard again that um, I heard that they're trying to get that Nokia out as well for Brighton, and I just still think that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. A, I've, when you see knocker, when you see knocker, knockabout, because that's that's what I call him. He is. A, he is a fine player. I think because of the because of his statements. But the thing is, you've got that young lad. I can't. I'm not kind of offer. Uh, I, I always forget his name. But um, there is a lot of there is a lot of pace in Newcastle's team now. So. Really? And that's the thing, you know. There's so many defenders in the team too, you know. It's like you know, you can you can put in you can put in so many. I, I can't remember if Mbemba played. Uh, that's no. the thing. There's so many changes. You know, it's you know, you can go to the bench and you know can pick whoever. Just keeps them all fresh. And I think um, I think Rafa's making everybody sit up and take notes because he, the way that he the way that he treated Mitrovic. Yeah. To me, it was interesting, but I do think that Mitrovic will play tomorrow. I think there's there's a reason behind the mad. There's a reason behind it all, and uh, you know, I, I haven't seen Barnsley play uh, lately myself, so I don't know how they play it. But um, I think uh, it's going to be. I think it, unfortunately it's not going to be on TV, so we won't be able to see it. But um, mm-hmm. I think it'll be a cracking atmosphere with six thousand. But the team. You know, I think you'd actually play Hanley, to be honest with you, on the, on tomorrow night. Would surprise me for a bit of physicality, mate. I mean, I, yeah. I was down there the yeah, down there the last last time we played at Barnsley when we drew two each in the last promotion yeah. season, and and it's it, 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 it's an old school ground. It's a bit tight and it's a bit noisy, so we'll certainly have that that away end totally bouncing if it's full again. Um, so there's no reason that the, the the players can't feel that support. Wouldn't surprise me to see a number of changes. Mm. Um, I think with a game coming in reasonably quick succession, why not? We've got the squad to do it, so let's roll with it. Um, Armstrong, who's on loan there, I mean, I presume he can't play yeah. under the parent club ruling, which is a good thing because he's been on bloody fire for them. Mm. Um, and, and and so there's there's already one one string taken from the bow, so to speak. So. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what what say Rafa does put out. Um, it won't surprise me to see, like I say, quite a few changes, and it won't surprise me at all if uh, he doesn't set up with whatever he's had scouts reporting back on how they play in mind. Um, I think they've started the season well, and I don't. Think, I think they've only had one point from the last four or five games. So, um, you know, there's no reason why we can't go there with confidence at least. I've got to, I've got to tell you this, uh, John. That um, yeah, uh, <laughs> Susan just said, "Oh my God, his name boils my blood." <laughs> but it's the same as it's the same as calling uh, Neil Mitch. <laughs> Neil Neil, underst- Neil understand I'm that joke. Happy to be called yeah, Mitch, yeah. mate. Uh, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but so, so the, the thing is, you think you think uh, Daryl will get fifteen goals? I can't see him getting more than twenty games. To be honest with you. Well, I mean, like I say, is I'm sure that he's going to get games. You, you pay five million for him, I think. You pay, you pay five million for him, not. Yeah, and you have to play. You're going to have to play him sometime. You know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise, Rafa not not being the final lad. But at the end of the day, I'm sure. 
that um, he'll do well. And um, he's, he's got he's got championship experience. He now sort of rules cool this, the back in the net this. Mm. I like the lad. And uh, I just hope that, um, you know, he gets a run again. I think if we get promoted back in the Premier League, say March sort of thing, I'm sure you get run of games then. So you may get the 15 goals <laughs> in that season. But I like to see Dowell give him a go. And, yeah, I'd um, like to see him give him a go as well, yeah. Definitely, I d- definitely. I just think he, I just think he positionally-wise, I think he might give us more than what Mitrovic does. But I think the last game that Mitrovic tough. played, he... he yeah. We, we we were obviously three one down and uh, two punts to Mitrovic and we actually had we came back to win that game so it's you know it's 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 that's the thing is he's playing horses for courses and he's not showing any favourites which is great isn't it absolutely absolutely I mean there's no favourites in this game sort of thing but uh, you know I see uh, Mitrovic play as well I mean he, he t- I think, I think he totally tomorrow. changed the game yeah. he I hope he plays tomorrow. And he totally really came against Norwich. He totally changed the game. He really did. He caused absolutely havoc in the Norwich defence. They didn't know how to hold him against him. But I definitely like to see Mitchell Fish play at the mall. And you know, but I like to see him play a four-four-two and just see what it's yeah, like. Um, like Yale and Mitchell Fish up front, sort of things. They're like on goals. Just shock us, surprise us all. Because you are going to score goals. Not just up front, like Neil, so you can get goals from all over that shop, you know what I mean? But which is good, and it's good to see other players' goals, goals like Kieran Clark, Lascelles, mm. and um, you know, in midfield as well, even Shelby. Now Shelby has been absolutely fantastic for us the last few games. He really has, and um, yeah, all I say is sort of thing. Just got to wait to see what he picks tomorrow, and um, give me a I score for be tomorrow before I end, before I end the show. Give me a score. Yeah, sure. Um, I think they're going to keep it cool. They're going to make a four wins out of tomorrow. And um, I'm going to say, Barnsley, one. We are going to be seed, by the way. Newcastle, three. Okay, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, John. Very interesting. Well, thanks for that. Coming on, John, tonight and your brief reunion with Susan. And uh, we'll catch you next week, okay? Looking forward to it. Let's go <laughs> Celtic win on Wednesday in the Champions League as well. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I could sense that. I think you're going to go for the next round. I really think you will. <laughs> I believe when I see it. They're bloody useless. No, <laughs> thanks very no, much for coming on, John. No, Bob, <laughs> Thanks a lot. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Well, that was a great show. I, I didn't expect it to go as long as it did. And thanks for Neil for eventually coming on the show. And for him, yeah, him, and, him, and, him and Susan's... Him and Susan's uh, Back and forth on Dumb It Wolf has made my night, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Till next week. Well, thanks so much for coming to the show. And this show will be immediately available on uh, iTunes and also online everywhere quite soon. So thanks so much for the show. And thanks so much, Neil. I'll talk to you in a sec. Thanks, Dale. Mm. Goodbye. I'll be out too late. Got nothing.